This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 154. Uh, we're here for our first non-five matches episode in quite a while. Uh, not that things are normal right now, especially in the U.S., but we're trying to get back to a little bit of normalcy, especially in Japan with them getting ready to run uh, fan shows in the near future. So we'll be covering current wrestling for a little bit on the free feed, if of course, you missed missed the five matches episodes, and you want more of them. Uh, we just recorded another one on the Patreon with Nate from the Everything Elite podcast here on the VOW uh, Podcasting Network. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Uh, that has episode 153 that just went up on this past Saturday, plus two more from June with Rich Kreich, of course, from the flagship, and with Alan Farrell from... Uh, the PW Torch. Um, it also has my entire series covering every Okada Tanahashi match in order. We've done eleven of those so far. The eleventh one just went up uh, Monday, the f- Monday, July sixth. So, you know, we're gonna be done with that pretty soon and moving on to a new series of uh, matches covered in order, uh, where you'll be able to vote on which one. Um, myself and one of the guests here today did a New Japan Cup pick 'em. If you want to go back and hear how wrong we both were, and you know, we have uh, Anime Omakase as well, if you want to hear me and uh, the lovely Nicole talk about anime. We have two episodes of that up already and a third one coming soon. So, tons of cool stuff on the Omakase Patreon. We just hit 50 patrons uh, today as I record. So, I want to thank everybody who uh, supported the Patreon and made it, you know... Uh, and even honestly more successful than I thought it would be. So thank you if you subscribed. I hope you're enjoying it. And, you know, come check us out at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase uh, and, you know, get all the five matches content you can handle. The next one for July will be me and Rob Reed from the 
uh, Voice of Wrestling quiz show, formerly from Brit Red's Roundtable. So that should be fun. But in the meantime, here on the free feed, we're going to be covering the uh, mid-year awards. So I debated, uh, actually on the air, people heard me debate on the air, I guess, whether or not to do this this year. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, I just decided it might be fun to see what the fuck people pick for these awards So in such a weird and terrible year. Uh, you know, I know my picks especially, I have haven't watched a ton of current wrestling uh, during this empty arena COVID era, so, you know, my own picks are going to be the, you know, I've watched less wrestling, current wrestling, than in my entire life, probably, you know, or at least in many years, so my picks will be probably a little bit weird, but I have a good cross-section here, I think, from the Voice of Wrestling website, so we'll see what they pick, I'm sure many of them actually have watched a lot more of this uh, COVID empty arena stuff. We also have one more guest, other than the ones I'm introducing here, that will, he's just running a little late, but he'll pop on mid-episode, so I'll definitely let you know, uh, let the listeners know when he is on the episode here. So, first of all, uh, hello, welcome back to the podcast. Andy, what's up? Hey, happy to be back. Uh, you know, not a whole lot's up, been <laughs> doing a whole lot of nothing like everybody else, yeah. uh, for the most part. Um, supposed to go back to work on friday i haven't worked in four months so we'll see if that actually happens it depends on how oregon's doing which is not well so yeah I'll, hopefully i'll find out before thursday if i go back to work but otherwise happy to be here and talk to everybody yep thanks for coming on uh up next paul is back hi paul uh hi john yeah uh i'm still in ireland still kind of mostly staying at home uh working from home for the near future it seems at least in Ireland we have it somewhat under control where we had, I think, four cases today, but like 18 yesterday. It's like weirdly... Wow! Oh my... Oh my... Is. Paul, fucking four cases. Jesus. <laughs> we're, we, do you know... Yeah. Everybody else's podcast is from America, buddy, so we got a, we got a few more. A few more than fall. Slightly four, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, we're, we're reopening now. Like, everything is more or less open again so we'll see hopefully it won't go up again but fingers crossed it will stay under control at least for the foreseeable future yeah um you know things are still pretty bad here but i mean like actually in in the new york slash new jersey area things aren't that bad but uh you know the rest of the country things are pretty awful so uh speaking of the new york area also a new yorker hi taylor from hey jumping, how's it going uh, let me plug um, your podcast here from jumping bomb audio <laughs> there you go yeah. uh, uh you took care of it for me mm-hmm. i just wanted to say i don't have much to say about what's going on because everyone knows it's still crazy in new york i just wanted to say alan for speaking of the patreon <laughs> alan 4l came on on his episode he tra- he trashed me and then went on quiz night and was dominated and I just want to say that is the curse of Omakase. I am the king, <laughs> the king guest of Omakase, and you don't come on this program and speak badly about me. There you go. Or else you see what happens. There you go. The king guest. You, you do have the all-time record still, so I don't, I don't even know who. I mean, I guess J- Jesse's in second place, and she hasn't been on in quite a long time. So uh, Up next, we have Thomas coming back on the show. Actually, Thomas might have passed Jesse for second by now. I don't know. It's probably close by now. But hi, Thomas. Hey, yeah, how are you doing? I haven't been on in a while. I think I was on the last or second to last episode uh, pre-five matches, so 
it's good to to come back after a, a few months off. Yeah, it's been all five matches here. So next week we'll yeah. be doing New Japan, uh, the Dominion and New Japan Cup final. So it'll be at least a few weeks before we do a five matches episode in the free feed again. I don't I have to see what the rest of July looks like, and you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's definitely uh, you know been playing it by ear you know what i mean i mean japan japan's not like in a bad shape or anything but there's still like 100 cases a day in tokyo now so who knows how long shows or fans will last there but uh mm-hmm. you know have to go see what happens i guess yep <laughs> <laughs> hoping for the best obviously but yeah. we'll see uh finally the aforementioned guest from the new japan cup pick'em where, again, you can access that on the Patreon right now and see how wrong we both were. Uh, hi, Tyler. Hi, John. Uh, well, you were a lot less wrong than I was. <laughs> both, of, uh, both of my finalists went out in the first round. So that's, that, that's how smart I Who was. Who were your finalists? Uh, Shingo and Suzuki. Ah, I didn't remember. Yeah, I got. I mean, I, I almost... I was doing pretty well for a while, but uh, I had Sonata over Okada in the finals, so obviously uh, my pick already went out so yeah um well uh, i am doing good um i'm hoping that uh minnesota starts to start looking more like ireland when it comes to covid cases because i get married in five weeks and i don't want to reschedule everything again yeah i don't don't know if that's happening buddy it's gonna be tough but i guess we'll see uh but yeah thanks for coming on tyler and i guess with everybody introduced we can get right into the award picks. As I mentioned, Ricardo will... Uh, that's the last person. Ricardo will be joining us, another Voice of Wrestling contributor, as soon as he's able. Uh, so, you know, I'll just let him introduce himself then, and he'll slide right in between Paul and Taylor here. Uh, so we're just going to go... If you've never heard one of these half-year award episodes before, uh, we're, it's basically, you know, just what it sounds like. Everything from January uh, through the end of June is eligible. Um, you know, anything... Uh, in all these different categories. I'm doing the exact same categories that we'll have at the end of your awards. So I just think it's, you know, we've done this last year, I believe two years in a row. And it's just fun to see what people have through the half year. Uh, in normal years, it's fun. This year, it is going to be, I don't know if you want to call it extra fun uh, or extra fun or not fun at all, but we'll see. Uh, so we'll start with the Category B awards, which is one pick each. Uh, and if people haven't heard any of these awards episodes before, I structure my awards very similar to the Observer Awards, but I do it with just less categories. Um, but yeah, because I mean, who gives a shit what book we're reading? I mean, whatever. But the Category B Awards... Uh, what is reading? I don't know. Uh, read a book. Category B Awards. <laughs> one pick each. Uh, so we're going to start with all the worst awards, which are like, you know, the obviously... Just like what is the worst of every of whatever these things are, I don't know what I'm saying. The worst awards. Here's what I want to say right away. Uh, let's get through these quickly because there was one year, either on the year end awards or the mid year. I think it was year end awards where we just took forever to get through the worst, and it was like a slog when I listened back to it. So you know, you only nobody really wants to hear us say that WWE is bad. Everybody knows that I think. So we'll just try to get through these as quickly as possible. Uh, definitely don't give a long explanation for these. Just we'll get through them quick. So we'll start with worst weekly TV show. What is your pick for a worst weekly TV show, Andy? Uh, WWE is actually good, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, worst weekly TV show. I didn't do the obvious. Well, maybe it's not obvious. I don't know. I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in years, but um, 
I was kind of excited initially when NXT went to TV, even though they were trending downwards. Um, and they have been pretty bad. I've only watched a couple of episodes, uh, which is more than I've watched of AEW. But uh, I find NXT's product to be uh, really dreadful because it was once good. So they're my worst weekly TV. All right. already And off the board pick there, I think. Uh, Paul, what do you put for worst weekly TV? Uh, yeah, so my vote is actually the same as Andy's for mm. the exact same reasons as well. Oh. It's NXT because it used to be good, whereas Raw and SmackDown haven't been good in like at least a decade, probably longer than that. So whereas NXT used to be a generally good TV show and now it's not. So that's why it's the worst this year so far. All right. Taylor, what do you have here for worst weekly TV? I don't watch that much worse, bad weekly TV, so I didn't have that many candidates because I don't watch much WWE. So I voted for NWA Power um, just as a show I think is um, not really successful in what it's trying to do. And when it comes to my best weekly TV show, I think my best weekly TV show does the things well that NWA Power does poorly. All right. Uh, Thomas, what do you have for worst weekly TV? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Taylor, and I don't really watch much weekly TV or any weekly TV, at least from the U.S. Um, so I just kind of put a pass on this one. I'm sure it's like Raw or something, but I just don't watch it. I don't think I've watched a single Raw match this year. So uh, I, I have to pass just because I try to avoid bad wrestling. So <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, what would you put for worst weekly TV? I put Monday Night Raw. Um, I went a little different avenue than Andy and Paul did. Uh NXT has been okay sometimes. SmackDown's even had some really good matches, like the AJ Daniel Bryan match from uh, a couple weeks ago. But Monday Night Raw has zero redeeming qualities except a loaded roster that's just being wasted. All right. Uh, for Worst Weekly TV, I put SmackDown. Um, not that I've watched really any of it, but, you know, um, there was that, like, amazingly, hilariously bad. Like, I, I watched one episode right before the end of the start of COVID with, like, The Fiend confronting John Cena, and it was really hilariously terrible. So, you know, I, maybe that should make it not eligible, but it was really bad. It was just also really funny. And then after that, and during the COVID era, it just seems like they lost their minds, and they really they did that Jeff Hardy drunk driving storyline, and I did watch that entire segment on Twitter, like, because they put the segment up on Twitter for God knows what reason. And it was, like, one of the worst things I've ever seen with, like, sub-porn-level acting from the cops. It was just incredibly terrible. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you can intellectually know that WWE is bad, but until you watch it, you don't really know how bad it's gotten. So, uh, yeah, it's SmackDown. Uh, worst major show, Andy. Did you say, did, did you, sorry, did you say sub-porn acting? Sub-porn acting, yeah. Is that a phrase? I've never heard that phrase before. Well, it's like below porn acting. I, I get it. I just I'm gonna have to think about incorporating that into my my language now. Oh, okay. So Ricardo <laughs> Ricardo just got here in time for the first award. So first of all, Ricardo, you can introduce yourself, and then second of all, what's the worst weekly TV show? Hello, guys. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is my Omakase debut, actually. I'm uh, Ricardo Gallegos. I write about uh, lucha mainly at the Voices of Wrestling. And what's the worst TV show? Uh, any WWE show can qualify for that, but uh, <laughs> I guess like the, the one that I don't watch any of them, but the one that sounds the worst is SmackDown. You know, all this Bray Wyatt shit and 
And uh, Seth Rollins, it, it, it sounds like a nightmare, to, to be honest. Yeah, I think Seth is raw, but it doesn't really it doesn't really matter anyway. It's all it's all fucking terrible. But yeah, yes. so okay. So I'm glad you you made it just in time for the first award. That was good timing. Ooh. All right, so Andy, what is the worst major show? Uh, for me, it was it was easy, and I know that the worst awards on Omakase are usually uh, WWE Sweet, but uh, WrestleMania Part One. Uh, was honestly one of the worst shows I've ever seen. So that was the first day of it. Um, part two had a couple of things that I actually liked, uh, a couple of things I really hated, but the, the first day of WrestleMania was genuinely terrible. All right. Paul, what was your uh, worst weekly show? Uh, you mean worst major show? Oh, worst major show. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I hate to kind of do this again, but uh, I'm doing the same vote as Andy again. <laughs> I, I swear I'm not uh, cheating by just picking what he picked, but uh, yeah, kind of for the same. It's just been like kind of horrendous, and I, it was kind of close between WrestleMania Night Two and Night One because I actually think both of them were terrible. But I think Night One was just such an overall terrible show that it is like an easy uh, winner here. Yeah, uh, Ricardo, what would you put for worst major show? Yeah, it's uh, WrestleMania Night 2 again. That Edge versus Randy Orton match is horrendous. And uh, Drew McIntyre's title win was as dry as possible. And it, it was horrible to watch. Like I mean, WWE sucks to watch, but WrestleMania was the full package. No fans, stupid storylines, long matches, um, horrible performances. It, it was uh, the worst major show, I think. WrestleMania Night 2. Yeah, alrighty. And the worst major show, Taylor. Yeah, I'm the same exact. Uh, WrestleMania Night 2, for the reasons that have been covered, there's not much more to say. Uh, and WrestleMania, or I guess worst major show, uh, Thomas. <laughs> just naming the category WrestleMania. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm sure wrestling was bad. I, I didn't watch it, so I can't vote for that. Um, the worst major show for me was a show actually that John forced me to watch. Um, Big Japan Stardust Superstars, um, their 25th anniversary show. It happened on March 16th, and it was in Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium, which is a fairly big building for people that don't know. I think um, easily promotions can draw over 2,000 fans for it. It was like, you know, maybe 25% empty at best, and it was. A nine-match show. I only had one match. Well, you mean twenty-five percent full? I think. Right. Like, what did I say? Yeah, like five hundred people. I think. Probably. Yeah, it was twenty-five yeah. percent full. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a nine-match show. I went over three stars on only one match. They had a match where they, they had a death match where they built the match around a scorpion that was inside of a box, and it was the most like boring setup spot. Just a sharpshooter with a guy's face in a pit of scorpions. It was like there's no like action there it's just like okay you tapped out because he was scared of the scorpions like <laughs> and they had and they had and it's just not a great show and there was no one there um and you know i just i hated john the whole time for making me watch it to come I'm on sorry. omakase i'm no. sorry, sorry we all have to make sacrifices <laughs> no it was just just not a great show um and i know you went for bat went to bat for the daichi sakamoto match on this show but i thought that was just quite a long, dull match, and yeah, just 
Daichi is up and down, but this was not one of his better performances. Uh, I want, should also add to for people who might be confused, because obviously a lot of things have like require twenty five percent capacity or fifty percent capacity or something. This was like when COVID started in Japan, but like they were not yet doing like any kind of mandatory requirements. So just twenty five percent people showed up because that's all they wanted to show up to this big Japan show during COVID. So yeah. Uh, Tyler, what is the worst major show so far in 2020? Tyler? There are a lot of different candidates for this show, but it's, uh, uh, without a question, WrestleMania Night 2 for one reason. Just four days after the Benoit documentary aired, you had Randy Orton doing a choke spot on Edge with weightlifting equipment. That's all I have to say about that. Just (laughs) awful. Incredibly awful. Yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, for me, for Worst Major Show, so I have not seen any of the WWE COVID pay-per-views, uh, so I cannot give it to WrestleMania or anything else. I went with uh, Elimination Chamber on March 8th. It's it's really not a horrible show as many of the other WWE winners over the years because it did at least have an awesome uh, Brian and Gulak match, but like the rest of the show was just pretty damn awful still. I mean, two... Mostly heatless elimination chamber matches, including the tag chamber, which I couldn't believe people praised. That match was so horrible. Uh, a really incredibly terrible AJ Styles against Aleister Black match that went on forever before you know being very boring. Before just being a setup for the Undertaker to show up, which is like the only thing people cared about on this entire show. Like the one of the only things to get a crowd reaction. Uh, it just was a really awful show. Like it's it's pretty rare to have a a show with a match you gave four and a quarter to as your worst major show, but like like I said, I haven't seen any of their other empty arena stuff, uh, and the rest of the show is just so horrendous that I think it's still, uh, you know, I think it still qualifies as the worst major show I've seen this year, despite having one awesome match. The Royal Rumble was definitely better, like, overall. That was the only other WWE pay-per-view I've seen this year. Okay, so, worst promotion. Uh, Andy, go ahead. What's your worst promotion for 2020? Uh, yeah, that's uh, related to my my worst uh, weekly TV. Uh, um, again, going with NXT here. Um, oh, that again, would be they, that the would be, they occasionally can have good matches. That would be WWE. We, it's just a oh, you combine them? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm specifically looking at NXT, but WWE with a focus on NXT just because of uh, some really really cringe storylines and uh, everything that's happening at the the Performance Center. Uh, including some news that broke right before we started recording. Well, the, like, thir- what was the news? Like, thirty people have it or something? Yeah, thirty additional people tested <laughs> yeah. positive. So there you go. Good shit. WWE. Uh, Paul, worst promotion. Yeah, uh, I mean it is WWE, but I think it's getting to the point as well. But probably like, I probably don't watch it enough to like even vote for it anymore. But I think it was just about on the threshold where I think I can still reasonably vote for it, but I might have to change that vote by the time the year-end awards roll around because I probably just won't watch enough to vote for it at that stage. Uh, Ricardo, worst promotion? Um, that's got to be the evil, racist, the COVID-inducing, the pro-Donald Trump company, WWE. I <laughs> fucking hate it. I know when people say that it's bad to wish death to WWE because it would be bad for the entire industry, I don't care. <laughs> I want it to fucking die. 
All right. And, and also, I want to give a shout out to CMLL, who fucking, it's a company that just refuses to evolve. You know, they had three months and it was the exact same card, the exact same matches every week. And they are super sexist on there. They are misogynistic. They're xenophobic also. So, yeah, shout out to CMLL, but I got to give my vote to, to the most evil company out there, WWE. Taylor, what's your worst promotion pick? I like that Ricardo worked in like a second one too. That was good. It's like two, two of them, two of them both suck. I like Paul. Don't watch a lot of WWE, but I think if you took only non-in ring related stories about WWE, it would still be the worst promotion in the world. <laughs> between the COVID stuff, but the COVID stuff also buried earlier in the year when they did all that shitty stuff with Martha Hart after the Owen Hart documentary came out. It's like you don't even need to watch the in-ring. The in-ring is bad, but sort of separate from the fact that also the company is terrible. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about all the, the Drake Maverick firing stuff. Yeah, they fired a ton of people. We don't even <laughs> like no one even talks about that anymore because all the other shit they've done. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, uh, worst promotion. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat as Taylor uh, and Paul Hall, Ricardo, and it's just it's it's got to be WWE. Even if I don't watch. Uh, a lot of their product is just so much um, out of ring stuff, and also like, <laughs> like I feel like every few weeks I just happen to watch one segment that gets tweeted onto my timeline. And you brought up earlier the car crash segment. It was so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it's at least funny bad, but it is so bad. <laughs> like, legitimately, some of the worst acting I've seen in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I watch funny bad movies, you know, on purpose sometimes. So, yeah, it's it's got to be uh, the Fed, WWE. The Fed, Tyler. Uh, you gonna break this streak here for worst promotion? No, it's WWE. Uh, <laughs> I I don't I don't really think it's close. <laughs> the, the richest company in all of wrestling is laying people off so they can uh, make quarterly profits better. When companies like Ring of Honor and even NWA. They're re-signing people. Like it's truly despicable and disgusting. Uh, fuck WWE. Ricardo's 100 right. Burn it to the ground, or just get the McMahon's out of there and put anybody in charge of booking. Uh, and I will also uh, not break the streak here. Uh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to honestly, but I just like I don't know. There's no one else you can pick. I mean, there's really there is no other choice here except WWE. Well- as of two weeks ago, we did have a, a, a pretty strong competitor in progress, but uh, I don't even, I don't, before all the scandals broke, I didn't even know they were still a company, so yeah. it's a little tricky. <laughs> so I definitely went with WWE as well. Uh, it's just, you know, it's the worst promotion on earth. Uh, you know, everybody else pretty much covered it. And, and be, beyond even being terrible at producing a compelling or entertaining show, they're also just terrible human beings that I hope get fucked. All right, so up next, worst feud. We're almost done with the worst here. Only two left. So, Andy, what is your worst feud of 2020? All right, this is uh, controversial. I don't know if to anyone here, maybe. Uh, I have some other fellow DDT watchers here. Uh, One of the big storylines for the first uh, handful of shows up into one of their big events uh, this year uh, was a, a feud between Yoshihiko, The Doll, and All Out. Um, and I hated it. And I actually like a lot of Yoshihiko uh, comedy matches, but for whatever reason, I hated every match that uh, Yoshihiko the doll had with uh, All Out. So that's my worst feud 
of the year. Wow. Fuck you, Andy. That, uh, <laughs> uh, Fuck <Paul>. you. <laughs> everybody, everybody mad at Andy. Paul, what is your pick for worst feud so far here in 2020? Yeah, so I'm continuing uh, my streak kind of on sticking with the same company, and I am going to go for WWE against the health of its employees. <laughs> because... yeah. uh, it's definitely a bad feud. Yeah. You may bring up that the wrestlers aren't actually employees and that they're independent contractors, to which I say, should go fuck yourself because they're employees and they should get health insurance. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Ricardo, what is your pick for worst feud so far? I'm going to AW versus NXT. The rating food because it sucks. It's it's so sad. It's a very sad feud. Like they barely do one million um, uh, fans every week, and they're always subtweeting each other. Chris Jericho gets in the conversation. It's so sad. It's a pathetic feud. And also shout out to Edge versus Randy Orton. It's horrible, horrible stuff. The greatest match of all time. Edge being a dickhead on Twitter. And also shout out to, it's not a feud, but it's more of a storyline. The Hijo del Fantasma narco kidnapper storyline that is uh, absolutely offensive. All right. I agree. The fucking Wednesday Night War sucks. I wish I had thought of that because it's like, who gives a fuck, Chris Jericho, about your goddamn 18-34? Shut up. <laughs> yes. Uh, it sucks. It's sad. It's, it's just sad. Yeah, I mean, you're both losing to guys' grocery games. Like, shut up. <laughs> well, we know Chris. Jer- we know Chris Jericho cares about eighteen year olds. So, it's- <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, 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 you're right. Allegedly right. for twenty five years, you're right. I don't want to get sued, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Taylor. Uh, what What is your pick for worst feud? Worst feud is wrestling fans versus trying to watch empty arena matches. Uh, it's been a tough time. Uh, there's been a lot of empty arena. I think every person, I mean, I think this way, I think a lot of people, you know, shows or promotions have been trying really hard, but watching some of these empty arena shows is very, very tough. So that's been the, that's been the hardest thing. All right. I, w- I wish I had come up with a joke answer for this because apparently everybody else did that. Uh, Thomas, what do you have for worst feared? I, I have Twitter versus convincing me to watch wildly overhyped WWE matches because I swear every three and three quarter star TV match that goes on in that company is suddenly the greatest match of all time and is like I need to drop everything and watch it now and I fall for it every time and it's just so frustrating. <laughs> like I watched this, Tyler talked about it earlier, this AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan match, which was a very good little match. I'm not going to say it sucked or anything. But I go and Dave Meltzer gave it four and three-quarter stars, which I guess on the Meltzer scale is like three stars now. But any mediocrely good match in that company is suddenly like the new all-time classic, and it's so frustrating. You know, see, I have a solution for that. I just don't watch them. (laughs) <laughs> I know, but they get me. It's always they always get me. I don't know how. It's like it's like Taylor and Chocopro and Thomas and uh, Basara. Basara rules! <laughs> oh my god! Wow, Andy's making a lot of enemies on this. Podcast. It's okay. It's it's also me. It's also me and Noah. So we we, we it's all good. Uh, of course, I am completely unbiased and never biased towards any wrestlers, especially. So I'm glad we all agree. Uh, Tyler. What is your... I can't believe nobody said anything in response to that. Tyler, what is your worst feud? Uh, it's uh, um, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. What the fuck is this shit? Like, I don't understand why people like it. Yeah, the 
the kind of weird looking guy gets gets the good looking girl but i can see that by turning on fox late night i i don't care <laughs> the mandy's the yeah. mandy's uh, it, it's just stupid honestly tyler i thought that was last year so that's how long <laughs> the year has been and now i'm realizing that big spot and kiss was the royal rumble so yeah uh, so yeah, I, that was one of the best parts of WrestleMania Night Two. That's how bad that show sucked. So for worst feud, I just went with the Undertaker versus AJ Styles. It just seemed pretty stupid uh, from what I could make out. It seemed to just involve Undertaker making AJ look like a moron at every opportunity, and then beating him in a a match that like I didn't watch it, so I can't tell you if it was good or not. But I sure as hell know that I am tired of people talking about it. So. Uh, and then he retired. So fuck, uh, fuck that stupid feud. Also, I just remember the um, Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders uh, feud. It it seems like horrible. They're playing basketball. They're throwing axes. They are battling ninjas. It, it's also one of the worst storylines and feuds of all time. I would say. Yeah, uh, that's a good. That's a good pull too. I don't. Uh, seem I haven't seen a single second of it, so I can't comment on that one even. But uh, it does seem pretty terrible. All right, so our final worst category here, worst match of the year. What do you have here, Andy? Andy, worst match of the year. Uh, sorry, you cut out on my end. Oh. Um, we're all good, though. Worst match of the year? Yeah. Uh, Ricardo just uh, alluded to it. Uh, it's a match that I had to... Uh, Google and see if it actually happened because it's not on cage match uh, but from backlash I believe it was from backlash uh, the Viking Raiders versus uh, the Street Profits which was uh, far and away the worst cinematic match I've ever seen of all these various cinematic matches just like uh, 35 minutes of nonstop bad humor uh, from two excellent tag teams I, yeah I refuse to watch that I've heard people yeah. are like oh you have to see it I'm like actually I don't and I'm never going to yeah, so, I think I, can, I I don't really like the things like the the Bray Cena one or the the Undertaker AJ one or um, you know Ed Jordan any of these things a lot of them are are pretty bad but I can get understand people's getting value out of them in different ways uh, this one I I think honestly is is no one likes it um, I think it's sub fiend Rollins from last year so uh, I think it's really really bad uh, I think I think the WrestleJoy people liked it I remember well, reading about it. I, that was one of them. Wow, you're really committed to the gimmick. Uh, wow. <laughs> Paul, what is your worst match of 2020 so far? Yeah, so my worst match, uh, there have actually been plenty of options there, but I decided to go with Johnny Gargano uh, against the Master Champa from the 8th of April on NXT in the empty arena match. Uh that ended with uh, Candice turning heel and uh, hitting Champa and Cargano in the balls. And just overall just being an excessively long slog that just didn't end. And it just continued this horrendous feud of two wrestlers that I actually used to really like and have turned on completely just based on this terrible, terrible, never-ending feud. Uh, wait, why did she kick Cargano on the balls? Isn't that her husband? Uh, yeah, but he wore a cup. So he wasn't uh, hurt by it. It wasn't ha, a swerve, ha. you see? It's, it's a swerve, bro. Why is this company so fucking terrible? Jesus. Uh, Ricardo, what was your worst match of the year? 
Gargano versus Champa is my number two. I hated it. But number one would be Edge versus Randy Orton. Taylor already talked about it. Uh, the, the WrestleMania one or the backlash? The one? WrestleMania okay. one, yes. Yeah. You know, the, the weightlifting uh, uh, sequence. How could you do that one or two weeks after the Benoit documentary? It's, uh, it's so dumb. And also the match kept going and going and going. And I think it's uh, actually the longest WrestleMania match in history. And it was very bad. It didn't have anything. It was just two guys hitting each other for, with no purpose. There was no flow. It was so, so stupid and long. And, and, and I hated every, every second of it. Wait, it was the longest WrestleMania match in history? Yeah, That's I a- think so. How long was it? Let me check. Uh, I think it was at 37 minutes or something. Wow. 37-minute empty arena match. Why are they... Okay. I I feel like we're going to say that repeat ourselves over and over again. Why are they so bad? They're so uh, bad. They are so bad. Let me check. (laughs) Um, It's... uh, No, where the fuck is it? Uh, 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 39 minutes. Jesus. Okay. That does sound horrible. I'm glad glad I didn't watch it. Taylor, what is your worst match of 2020 so far? So there was a brief period during quarantine where all the major U.S. companies decided seemingly unanimously to attempt to become DDT. Um, AEW did a fairly good job at it. Uh, WWE did a terrible job at it. And the height of that was the Money in the Bank match. (laughs) From the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which feels a little bit like, you know, trying to do a DDT match. But, like, if you went to see a stand-up comedian and the thing that you got out of it is that the people laugh based on how they walk around the stage and not the jokes that they tell. Um, There's a lot of, like, look, a person has appeared. That's the joke. Here we go. And then, of course, (laughs) highlighted by two people being thrown off the roof. Um to their death, supposedly, which was later turned out that they just were thrown onto a lower level of the building or something. Um, but just an awful, terrible, total misunderstanding of what makes that type of match enjoyable and fun to watch. Uh, so, of course, Omakase listeners will know I almost made myself watch that match when I put it as a joke option on the Patreon, or not the Patreon, on the Omakase Five Matches uh, free episode with uh, Murder Brian, of course, which was really something. Thank God uh, Okada Shibata pulled it out. I still have not seen that one either, and I hopefully will go to my grave never seeing that one. Thomas, what is your worst match of the year so far? Yeah, it, this was a tough one for me just because I try not to watch bad wrestling. Um, but I ended up going with Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. Um, Sammy Callahan just is an awful wrestler. He, uh, and this was like the day or two days after uh, Tessa Blanchard got canceled on Twitter. And it was just, and she won the title in what was supposed to be this big moment. And it was just not a good match. Uh, and yeah, Sammy Callahan sucks. So that's my worst match. Uh, and let's see, Tyler, what is your worst match of 2020? I just want to say first that I vehemently disagree. I love that Tessa and Sammy match. Thomas, you're wrong. Anyways, worst match, uh, Nia Jax, Kyrie Sane from June 1st on Monday Night Raw. The match where Jax threw Kyrie Sane right into the stairs and uh, I think it gave her a massive concussion. 
Nia Jax is awful, should never be in a wrestling ring, and get her off TV. All right. Uh, and for my worst match of the year pick, so I haven't seen pretty much any of this horrible WWE shit. So my pick is Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian versus Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky from All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on May 27th. Uh, it is the worst match I've seen all year. I saw people on the Slack try to argue with me that it wasn't that bad. But it was like Havoc. It was only like 12 minutes, so it's not like it dragged or anything. But like Havoc and Sabian were seemingly trying to one-up each other in some kind of competition to be more comically terrible than the other at selling. Uh, Sabian especially seems to think selling is like, act like you're mildly constipated. And it's just really terrible. So that was the worst wrestling match I have watched so far in 2020. Uh, you know, I'm sure all this WWE shit was much worse, but, like, I haven't watched any of it, thankfully. Uh, the best weekly television show, uh, the final category B here, and we're finally in the best here. So, again, this is only just one pick. So, what is your pick for best weekly TV show, Andy? Yeah, so I, on my on my worst uh, feud, I, I mentioned this company, and a feud that kind of highlighted a lot of the early shows, uh, but, but I think the eight uh, weekly TV shows that DDT has done recently, semi-recently over the past, uh, I guess, 10 or 11 weeks, uh, has been my favorite weekly wrestling. So DDT TV show kind of gives me a feeling back like the, the old Maji Manji uh, TV show that they did a couple of years ago. So uh, that's my favorite weekly TV show. Andy, you have redeemed yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> and John, isn't this supposed to be the Manji Manji Memorial Best Weekly TV That's Show true. Award? It is the Manji yes. Manji Memorial <laughs> Best Weekly TV Show Award. Paul, what is your pick for Best Weekly TV Show? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm a little behind uh, in my DDT watching, so I can't vote for this one. So I'm going to vote for really just about the only weekly TV show that I regularly watch and like, and that would be AEW Dark. Uh, because it's nice and avail- freely available on YouTube. So I watch it every uh, Tuesday before I go to sleep. And yeah, it's a nice show. So pretty pretty much all I can say on it. Okay. Ricardo, what's your pick for best weekly TV show? Um, so I was a little burnt out of wrestling during the first two months of 2020. But the only thing that really kept me entertained was NWA Power. It was easy to watch, free on YouTube. Uh, Nick Aldis was fantastic in every promo. And they also got a bunch of interesting storylines. And Ricky Starts was super entertaining. So, yeah, NWA Power is my my weekly TV show. All right. Taylor, what's your best weekly TV show pick? So my pick is the AEW A-Show. That would be AEW Dark which is better than Dynamite. Um, To me, I voted NWA Power worst weekly TV show. I think NWA Power is so slovenly wanting to reproduce the 1980 um, sort of territory wrestling that it often devolves into parody and sort of eye-rolling cringy stuff. Whereas I think AEW Dark has sort of become the modern studio wrestling um, it's mostly just matches with jobbers. The storylines involve pretty much exclusively people on the very bottom rung of the company. But I think they've been fun storylines. They've really hit their groove. Um, Taz and Excalibur, I think, are a good commentary team for that setting. So that, to me, has been um, one of the highlights of the year, AEW Dark. All right. 
Thomas, uh, give me your best weekly TV show. So I don't really watch any uh, U.S. much U.S. wrestling, at least. So this is often a category I struggle with. But because of the COVID, I actually had two candidates for this between the DDT TV show and All Japan's weekly pro wrestling broadcast. And I thought they both were uh, very good. But I thought DDT, especially on the undercard, it's just a much deeper roster than All Japan. And so the shows were just uh, a much easier watch from start to finish. And it had a tremendous uh, ongoing story with, um, Masada Tanaka defending against the various uh, Anytime Anywhere Gauntlet challengers, especially uh, a quick like 12-minute main event surprise banger against Yuko Sakaguchi that I went four and a quarter stars on. That was maybe my favorite match of MZ Arena. Um, so yeah, DDT TV show is the winner for me. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, and Tyler, what do you have for best weekly TV show? I think it's safe to say I am the AEW apologist of the group because my favorite uh, TV best TV show uh, is Dynamite. Well, we had two different votes for an AEW show, just not that one. Yeah, <laughs> there uh, are two votes for Dark. Hey, Dark <laughs> has been fantastic, but as as simple and easy as it is to watch, and it does have some fun little storylines, it doesn't really have anything huge. And while there are a lot of problems with Dynamite and this weird obsession of everybody needing to use a car every single week, uh, I, th- I think it's been really well done. They've built stories. They've uh, grown characters. And that they're really positioning themselves to build for the future while still utilizing guys from the present. And like what Jericho has been able to do for guys like Sammy Guevara, Orange Cassidy, uh, elevating them to a point where they might be uh, money-drawing stars down the line, uh, I think has been really good. And I really enjoy it. All right. Uh, I will say about Dynamite, I think – the the idea that their atmosphere is good during COVID is like one of the most overrated things that I hear people say repeatedly. Like, especially like people keep compare. Like I, I think really I say people. I'm only talking about Joe Lanza, where he compares it to the New Japan Empty Arena stuff a lot. And it's like the the Dynamite Empty Arena to me sounds almost as fake as the WWE one. Where like these people just you just hear these people in the background yelling, and you know that they're like they're paid to be there. And they're always yelling at the exact right time. I don't know. It just sounds comes off super fake to me. Well, I'd almost rather have like at least the announcers screaming to make it uh, like New Japan. What they did, where they just told their announcers to scream way more, and that sounds way more natural to me than putting a bunch of your wrestlers at ringside and having them make like fake crowd noise. But it's still better than WWE's fake crowd noise. I mean, how could it not be? But you know. Anyway. Uh, what will I say about the... What's my pick for best weekly TV? Uh, I went with DET TV show pretty much just by default. I don't even think it was that good. Uh, you know, but it's you know, the only one I really watched every week. And, you know, it did have the Endo Higuchi match I thought was awesome. So that's pretty much my pick. You know, I mean, the, the I've watched a few episodes of Dynamite. And like I said, the atmosphere and everything else, it didn't grab me at all. Uh, you know, the New Japan Cup stuff I really liked, but I don't really think that counts as a weekly TV show, even though it's been weekly. So, you know, DDT wins. I think uh, one thing that, that people, in a small bubble, people are talking about, but 
uh, is kind of getting lost in the shuffle is Junakiyama's last like five weeks in DDT. Um, obviously, the the business side of it's been talked about, but his actual like quality of work is like this big bully, which DDT DDT often lacks. Has been super refreshing for him and for the company, where he's kind of working as this coach, but he kicks everyone's ass. Um, so that's that that was kind of the thing that really pushed DDT over a couple of other options for me is is the Akiyama Goon uh, storyline. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that's been that has been uh, definitely one of the highlights of DDT. Okay, so best major show, and now we're going to the category A awards here. So for these, you'll be given three picks. Um, I, I've discovered doing these shows over the years that it's better to just have. I used to do it where like we do everybody's third pick, then everybody's second pick, then everybody's first pick, but that takes forever, and I have to ask the same question over and over again. So I just go to each of you. You'll give your top three. Uh, try to give it in reverse order, so give third place, then second place, then first place. So, we'll start with you, Andy. Give your give me your top three for best major show. All right. So for best major show, I was really coming on here uh, thinking that uh, I would have some kind of off the wall picks, um, but there's actually been like a, an actual like lack of what we call major shows. Uh, a lot of like weird kind of adaptations to COVID, obviously with uh, things like all Japan and, and Noah doing kind of like almost TV shows, almost weekly shows where they're really truncated uh, versions and similar to the new Japan cup. I don't, I don't view those as, as like major shows. Uh, so for my third pick, I have wrestle kingdom day one, uh, wrestle kingdom 14 day one. Um, that was, uh, I don't remember what was all January, that one. January 4th, January 4th. I'm just thinking yeah. what, what was the undercard oh. matches on, uh, that so one. So that, that's that's Hiromu versus Will Ospreay. Yeah. Uh, and Moxley versus Archer on top uh, or below the uh, Naito, Jay White, and uh, Okada Bushi matches. Mm-hmm. All of those are really good. I thought it was a typical Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe not my favorite Wrestle Kingdom, but still a good one. Uh, my second favorite major show happened on the same day, uh, just before. Uh, Wrestle, or I guess actually at the exact same time as Wrestle Kingdom 14, and this was Noah and Currican Hall New Sunrise. Uh, Noah also did a, a two-day uh, event. Basically, uh, they had this New Sunrise and the the reboot, and I was definitely the high person on New Sunrise. This was the uh, one that had Shiozaki versus Kiyomiya uh, on top, and that's one of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, but also had a couple, a handful of other really great matches. So uh, that was my number two and number one. I have Wrestle Kingdom Day Two. Uh, which I think we'll get into uh, why here in the future, but really the top four matches on that were all uh, super excellent. Some of my favorite matches of the year. So even if I'm lower on new Japan, I thought wrestle kingdom day two was excellent. All right. Uh, Paul, give me your pick for your picks for best major show. Yep. So my uh, number three is uh, new Japan's new beginning in Osaka show which was main evented by uh, Kenta versus Tetsuya Naito. And I thought that was really, like, top to bottom was a pretty solid show, but I think that main event kind of puts it over the top a bit for me. Uh, I think that storyline was just tremendous, where Kenta attacked uh, Tetsuya Naito after the main event, and he robbed him of uh, doing the... uh, LIJ rally at the end of the show and just the heat in the building at the moment was just amazing and also the match itself turned out to be really good as well which given the state that Kenta has been in now isn't necessarily always a given but I think so far in New Japan when he's been like tasked with like stepping up to like a high level 
he has delivered and he definitely did in this match and of course Naito was excellent. So that's my number three. Uh, my number two is night one of Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th. Uh, that's again, it's, uh, it's another like very, very good show top to bottom. Uh, probably like the highest attendance or the show with the highest attendance in the world this year, most likely. Uh, I don't know if the Rumble drew more or not, but uh, just a very good show overall. And uh, then my number one is uh, night two of uh, Wrestle Kingdom, where it also had my uh, match of the uh, year as well. But uh, I'm not going to give that away for now, although I would assume that that should be relatively obvious. Yeah. All That's right. true, actually. Wait, if since Wrestle Kingdom didn't have, or since WrestleMania didn't have fans, is Wrestle Kingdom Night One actually the highest attended show? Of the yeah, year? I don't. It depends on what the Rumble drew, because that was in a big stadium yeah. too. I don't remember what the Rumble yeah. drew. It should be close either way. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt. I doubt there will be anything approaching it this year at this stage that will get close to either of those. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, go ahead and give me your top three for best major show, Ricardo. My number three is the second night of Wrestle Kingdom. Just a great, great night of action. I liked really much the Zack Sabre Jr. versus Anada match, the Gauto Kenta match, Jericho against Tanahashi, and of course the, the main event. And my number two major show of the year is a Triple A, Triple A, Nacemos para Luchar on February 8th in Querétaro. This was a fantastic show. I got three matches over four stars. There was a fantastic Hijo del Vikingo, Puma King, and Rey Horus versus Los Mercenarios match, Psycho Circus versus the Nuevo Poder del Norte in a very fun brawl, and also Los Ingobernables versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. This was a tremendous show and one of uh, the best AAA shows overall I've seen in a while. And my number one pick is New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom Night One. Uh, um, Will Ospreay versus Hiromu, Okada versus Ibushi, Naito versus White, the um, the first Liger return match with all the all the men coming out that was very fun. So that's my show of the year. All right, Taylor, what do you have for top three here for best major show? So my number three show is Ice Ribbon number one thousand twenty nine, uh, featured. It was a really fun show. It was at Corican Hall. Featured two really great matches. Uh, the conclusion of a big, long-running story with Suzu Suzuki returning to take on Tsukasa Fujimoto and a title match with Maya Yukihi versus Haragi Karumi. I just think a really fun show. They also had an under-card uh, six-person tag with the Joint Army. Just thought it was a fun show. Lots of good matches up and down the card. Um, my number two is DDT Peter Pan Night 2. I think it had a lot of... I actually didn't really think very much of DDT Peter Pan Night 1, but Night 2 I thought was very strong. It had the um, Hiroshima Marafuji tag. It had Nautilus versus Stronghearts, and of course the main event of Masato Tanaka uh, versus Endo. So overall, I thought it was a really um, well-wrestled show that I really enjoyed. And my number one show, very off the beaten path, is the Gake Pro Nobody Show, a show that had no fans, no announcers, no referees, no wrestlers, and only one cameraman. 
Um, if that sounds interesting to you, it is up on Wrestle Universe. Just a totally um, out there, thinking outside the box type of show that I really, really enjoyed. All right. I don't know if that should count, but sure. <laughs> redefining major. Uh, what is major? What is major in 2020? Uh, well, I, I didn't include the uh, Ricardo's number to the AAA show because I thought that was just uh, like a regular TV show. But uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, so, that's a very Taylor pick, and I appreciate. It. I still have to watch who can, that. Who can define what's major in my heart? Indeed. <laughs> uh, Thomas, what do you have here for your best major shows? Number three for me is a show uh, that Andy already mentioned, Noah's uh, New Sunrise in Cork and Hall. That uh, Go versus uh, Kaito main event is one of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, and it was a shocking result. Um, and I remember just waiting for that um, show to come out on VOD, and it was over-delivered on all expectations. Um, the Hayata and Ogawa match from that show obviously is very hyped. And then an under-hype match is the Sugiura Kitamiya semi-main event, which I thought was was very excellent as well. So that's my number three, um, an excellent, excellent show. Um, number two for me is All Japan's New Year's Wars 2020 uh, Day 2. Um, a, a good show up and down. It had uh, Yuma Aoyagi getting uh, the pin in a tag match, which was a huge moment for him. Uh, and then later, after an excellent main event between uh, Kento Mirahara and Jake Lee, uh, turning on Kento Mirahara after that match, um, also, Susumu Yokusuka against Hikaru Sato for the junior title was on that show. Um, and both those two aforementioned matches are in my top seven for the year. Um, so an excellent show. The only show to have uh, two matches uh, from on my top ten other than uh, Wrestle Kingdom Night 1. And it holds a special place in my heart because uh, VOW's own Jojo Remy uh, took me out for uh, some ramen with uh, John Pollock from Post Wrestling after that show. So a, uh, a good memory also just surrounding that show. So shout out to Jojo. Um, and then number one for me uh, was Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Um, just one of the greatest experiences uh, that I've been to as a wrestling fan. Certainly the greatest match I've seen live um, between Naito and Okada there. Um, and maybe just one of the greatest matches of all time, period. So, uh, And obviously a great show up and down, but that match is clearly the highlight. Uh, right. So, yeah. All right. Tyler, what is your what are your picks here for best major show? All right. Uh, to answer a question earlier, actually, the Royal Rumble has uh, is the biggest attended show of the year. They got forty two thousand people in Minute Maid Park. So, uh, pour one out for New Japan. Forty two thousand losers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, um, my uh, uh, number three show of the year is uh, I got to find that on my sheet. Uh, Double or nothing. Um, I had. Uh, I believe uh, five uh, four-star plus matches on that show, including a match that was uh, uh, it's debatable if it was even a match or not, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, number two, Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 from January 4th. Uh, two five-star matches and, it's, and just even with the two random six-man tags, everything on that show delivered uh, and it was just a uh, very fun watch. And then Number one, Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Uh, Naito finally gets his moment, and then one of the best angles I've ever seen, Kenta just coming in, being an absolute prick and ruining everything, was but was probably the best way the show could have ended. All right. Uh, and then for my best major show picks, I have in third 
a pretty out there pick, I think. I went with Stardom, No People Gate from March 8th at Corican Hall. It was just a strange blast of a show to me. Like, it has a really underrated Iwatani uh, Kashima main event, a strong semi main tag title match, and this really awesome, like, battle royal that was a lot of fun. It's my favorite uh, show of the Empty Arena era that I've seen. And again, I haven't seen a ton of them, so that's definitely, that is definitely the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, number two, I have New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it has my, I mean, you know, I don't think it's, I'm spoiling anything here to say it has my match of the year. And, you know, it has a, you know, but besides that it also has a really strong undercard. Um, I like Jericho Tanahashi a lot, you know, Goto and Kenta, I thought was really underrated. Um, you know, there's just a lot of cool stuff on that card. Uh, and then number one, I actually went with New Beginning in Osaka. On February 9th in Osaka, Joe Hall. I just really love this show with an awesome top three. Uh, I thought Moxley Suzuki was awesome. Uh, Hiromu and Dragon Lee I seem to be the high person on, if anything. I, I love that match. Uh, and then obviously Naito Kenta I thought was awesome. Uh, has even, even has like a great little Osprey Okada, Zack Taichi tag match like hiding on the undercard. Uh, if only that White Sonata match was a little better, I'd feel slightly more confident about it holding off the rest of the year. Even if we get more real shows, but who knows? Maybe it will. I don't know. But it's a really, a really awesome show, and one of the reasons why it made me sad when New Japan went away not that long after that, because I, I really like what they were doing. Okay, so best promotion. Give me your three picks for best promotion, Andy. <clears throat> awesome. Am I? Oh, hold on. Am I unmuted? Yes, you're unmuted. Sorry, <laughs> I switched tabs. Uh. So best promotion for me, um, I think, you know, based on, on some of the other awards we've given and, and having a pretty strong New Japan Cup coming back, uh, I, I actually haven't seen any New Japan between uh, Wrestle Kingdom and the New Japan Cup. So uh, the, the month and a half, I guess, that they ran uh, towards the New Beginning Tour, I haven't seen. So they're not on my list. Um, my number three is Triple A. Uh, Ricardo talked about a, a show, and there was a couple of other good shows earlier on in the year. Um, and I think one thing we haven't talked about yet is Lucha Fighter, which was just a, a four-episode show they had right towards the beginning of uh, COVID era. Uh, and so Triple A uh, is my number three promotion of the year. They were my promotion of the year last year. Uh, number two, uh, the promotion I watched the most of, the only promotion where I watch everything, uh, is Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, they have had some bad booking and some bad breakups and not the best video production, uh, but I think uh, I've had a lot of enjoyment from their actual matches. So they're my number two. And then uh, my number one, uh, often the front runner here for me, is DDT. I think they just are always in their own lane uh, and can kind of always just do whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, and that makes them unique. And uh, I always just enjoy watching their shows, even if they have had a slightly down year in, in ring. All right. Uh, and go ahead and give me your top three here, Paul, for best promotion. Yeah. So my number three is uh, Choco Pro or Got to Move. I'm not sure which one you want to count there as the promotion. Uh, it's just they have done a tremendous job kind of cap capitalizing on like a bad situation, essentially, where I think they probably have like more momentum now than they've probably had previously. They've always been like a very niche promotion, but I think, and they're still a very niche promotion, but I think they've managed to kind of break out like with a lot more international fans this year. And they have done a couple of like very interesting storylines and they've had a couple of like very good uh, matches as well. So that's my number three promotion. Uh, my number two is All Japan. 
this time. Uh, I think All Japan overall has done the best job uh, with the empty arena stuff, where they just managed to figure out how to shoot it, how to lay out the mattress, and just kind of how to build it, uh, where, again, they had like a bit more storylines than we would normally maybe see in Japanese wrestling. And obviously kind of bringing in uh, Enfant Cerebus has been a breath of fresh air. I just think that this year they haven't kind of peaked as high as they normally did. So that's why they didn't uh, make my top spot. Um, my top spot, despite them kind of almost taking a third of the year off, is uh, New Japan quite simply because it's the promotion that has peaked the highest for me. And uh, that makes it kind of an easy vote for me as the number one. All right. Ricardo, go ahead and give me your best promotion. So my number three is DDT. Uh, despite some early empty arena boring shows, I think, I've had a blast watching it. Masato Tanaka's championship reign was outstanding. Tetsuya Endo has been very good. Eruption, you know, the Sakia Kai Serena series. Uh, DDT has been very, very good this year. And number two is New Japan Pro Wrestling. Just Wrestle Kingdom, two outstanding shows. The New Beginning series. Um, I, I have actually despised the New Japan Cup, but before that, New Japan was my top promotion. Number one is AAA. They have been tremendous. They have pushed young talent. They are pushing the right people. Mr. Iwana, Vikingo, Mysticis. They have fun storylines going on involving LA Park, joining Los Ingobernables with Rouge. Nuevo Poder del Norte has been absolutely killing it. They've been featuring more minis. They've been having fun matches all around. Their shows have been easy to watch. And as um, Andy mentioned, the Lucha Fighter tournament in, uh, has been the best thing for me during this COVID, uh, COVID era. It's, it's the best empty arena. They, ha- they did four shows. The longest match went to 11 minutes. About 70%, 80% of the participants went over. They were fresh, fresh matches. But we had... Dr. Wagner Jr. versus Ellie Park having a clean finish. That's almost impossible in Mexico, and AAA somehow managed to give us that. And yeah, Lucha Fighter, great shows, one of the best shows of the year, pushing the right stars. They they have maintained the star power. They sold tickets well before the COVID era. So yeah, AAA for me, number one promotion so far in 2020. All right. Taylor, what do you got here for best promotion? Uh, so my number three, I guess, uh, you know, you could debate whether they should have continued running or whether they were pressured. But from an in-ring perspective, I think AEW has done pretty well. Um, I think that there's still a promotion that's sort of growing and figuring out um, what they're all about. Like I mentioned, Dark, which w- which started as this incredibly boring uh, show with 25-minute matches between mid-carters has turned into a very fun um breezy watch you know they still from time to time have growing pains but i think that they've done a good job considering all that's been thrown at them this year uh, my number two another vote for triple a i think they had a very strong year and i will throw my voice behind lucha fighter as well super fun but didn't overstay its welcome either with the matches or you know it was only four episodes it's very easy to go back and watch if you want to um, without going back and feeling that you have to watch, you know, 10 hours or 15 hours of content. 
And my number one is Gato Move slash Choco Pro. I think that they have by far been the best company of the COVID era in terms of presenting a product that's fun to watch. You're not sitting there going, I'm watching a show with no fan. You know, I'm watching a show and no one's there. This is so depressing. I'm thinking about everything going on in the world. They're so interactive with the fan base. They're always providing all this content, which is totally free on their YouTube. Um, and as Paul mentioned, they've had some really great matches and some fun um, storylines from episode to episode. So they're by far, far and away my number one pick. All right. Uh, go ahead, Thomas. What's your best promotion picks? So number three for me is New Japan. I couldn't leave them off the list despite them not running for over half of this period uh, just because of how high they peaked when they were running. Uh, number two for me uh, is DDT, and I've already talked about the DDT TV show. Certainly, I think, a down year in ring for the promotion, uh, even before we switched to Empty Arena. I just thought things weren't clicking um, as much as they had in the past, um, especially uh, also in Tokyo Joshi. I think that's been kind of a two-year trend. I think um, two on it might be the case that 2018 was a bit of an aberration, how good they were that year. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case, but I just feel like they've been kind of on a downward trend uh, since then. Uh, but, I mean, obviously the positives outweigh the negatives. I think Peter Pan was a, was a pretty good two-part show, uh, and certainly they've done some amazing things. I said, uh, best weekly TV show for them, so I think they've handled Empty Arena pretty well. All right, and my number one is All Japan. I think they just... Uh, booked a really solid logical story uh, from the beginning of the end uh, to, of Empty Arena. Uh, they started on their first Empty Arena show, bringing in Infants Terribles, led by Shotaro Ashino, and um, throughout the eight episodes, kind of built them up to be a dominant force in the promotion. And then on the last show, all three guys lost their matches um, to Lee, uh, Suama, and Koji Iwamoto, three like mainstays of the promotion, which was just a really smart, logically booked storyline. And I'm not sure if Infants are staying around or not but either way i think they got them over and they also put over three guys that are going to be staying with the company no matter what so it was a very well uh booked uh sort of arc during empty arena and then also uh during the pre-covid area they were excellent uh, i loved the suama kento match and a very surprising result and also of course i mentioned my number two show of the year was that uh january 3rd uh show with lee and kento and also Susumu and uh, Hikaru Sato, which was, I think, probably the most underrated match of the year. Um, so yeah, and the carnival's rescheduled, so I do think even with New Japan kind of having, you would think New Japan, even though they've had, you know, kind of uh, the whatever the reverse of a head start is compared to the rest of the promotions because they didn't run empty arena, I think uh, All Japan has a chance to, you know, stay ahead uh, just with the carnival being rescheduled and everything. I'm, I'm excited to see where they go from here. All right. Uh, Thomas. Give me your best from or Tom. Sorry, just dead. Tyler, give me your best promotion picks. All right, um, number three for me is All Japan. Um, I've kind of been popping in and out, and everything I've seen, I've really enjoyed. Uh, starting from the uh, Kento Jake Lee match in January, as Thomas just mentioned, and uh, continuing through uh, the Empty Arena storyline with Impon Cerebre. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do with it uh, moving forward, considering they just beat all three guys. Uh, right before they get fans, and uh, as Thomas mentioned, they, they really got over. So the fact that they did that show without fans kind of worries me long-term for uh, what Infant Streamblade will be in All Japan. But 
we'll see. Crazier things have happened. Uh, my number two is AEW. Uh, I disagree with John's take on the AEW empty arena aesthetic. I think it feels natural. I I like that there's just uh, wrestlers on the outside. It it doesn't feel as forced as uh, uh, they perceive it to be, but uh, uh, everybody's got different opinions, and that's okay. Uh, I like how everything's been booked. Cody bringing back bringing the TNT title and making it feel like 1980s territory wrestling while still adopting um, a more modern style of wrestling, even though it's Cody and he's not the most exciting wrestler ever, uh, I think has been really fun. And then uh, utilizing uh, guys like Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson and Taz in uh, manager-type roles has been awesome because they still bring a lot to the business. And it's it's been really enjoyable for me to enjoy those guys who I never really got to enjoy at the time. And then number one is easily New Japan. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, both nights, they hit it out of the park. And uh, the booking of the double title was fantastic. The Kenta uh, bit at the end of Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 was fantastic. And uh, I will talk more about that later. Uh, just e- The empty arena aesthetic wasn't perfect. The New Japan Cup has been met, but it did deliver Moxley Suzuki. Or not Moxley Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki and Nagata, which I gave... Uh, uh, four and a half, and then Matsu Suzuki was also four and three quarters. Uh, I just enjoyed almost everything New Japan has done, and they're my number one. All right, uh, and for my picks, uh, in third place I have Noah. Uh, I was loving them early in the year and during the earliest empty arena stuff. I, I you know, the I was definitely one of the defenders of that uh, half hour stare down match, but you know you can't ignore they quickly became a slog during COVID. But I didn't really watch a lot of that. So, you know, I put them in third. Hopefully they turned around from here. Uh, I have DET in second. I didn't love their empty arena stuff, but I was enjoying their year before that. And at least they had one of the highest end empty arena matches in Endo Higuchi from May 2nd that I went four and a quarter on. Uh, and number one, I put New Japan. Even with all their months off, I definitely enjoyed their January and February. And then their empty arena New Japan Cup. Uh, by far more than any other promotion. So just, you know, those three months in New Japan were the best thing in the first half of the year to me. So not really that close. All right. Uh, best feud. Let's start with, uh, well, at the same order as always. Go ahead, Andy. All right. Best feud. This one was hard to do. I think we talked about that. All of us have talked about it in uh, chat uh, leading up to this uh, show that it was hard to think of three good feuds and, and some i'm guessing some people have some uh, different ways to interpret it uh, including myself um i've mentioned that i've really only seen um one or two all japan shows um but based on gifts and uh people uh what they're tweeting and just the general idea of it i love invasion angles and so the the enfants terribles uh, in all japan gets my number three one just based on my own hype for it even if i haven't uh seen much of it just just based on that idea making the best out of uh, you know a kind of a tragedy of Wrestle One closing. Um, similarly, or, or perhaps not uh, so similarly, uh, my number two feud uh, is actually when uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima went and invaded Wrestle One, uh, won their title, and was just really had the whole roster kind of gunning for him uh, before losing uh, to Kazayashi uh, at, at the very end there, or towards the very end there of the promotion. Uh, I just thought that was really hot, had people talking about Wrestle 1 more than they had in a long time. So thought that was really good. Uh, and my number one feud, 
I don't know if I'll be the only one with this, uh, but uh, it is in DDT, and it is between Yuki Ueno and Tetsuya Endo. Uh, they face each other in many different tag matches and six-man and eight-man matches um, and had one singles match, uh, and this goes back even to December where they uh, Ueno beat Endo uh, in the uh, one of the DDT tournaments. I don't remember which one it was, but uh, whatever one happened in December, uh, but uh, he's next the next challenger as we talk to Endo's title. So it's been a cool... He's kind of the new young uh, star uh, in DDT Ueno, uh, and he's the current tag champion, and he's got some pinfalls over him. So that's been a really uh, cool booked feud. All right. Paul, best feud. Yep. So my number three feud, uh, that's probably a bit of a weird one. As Andy said, everyone was kind of struggling, I think, with this one. And on this one, I went with uh, Yina Mizumori against herself. So... It probably requires a little bit of an explanation, I suppose. Um, so basically, on Chocopo, Nimizumori kind of has been one of kind of the focal points of the whole thing. And she essentially, uh, her storyline is her kind of trying to actually figure out what type of wrestler she wants to be. And really kind of her biggest obstacle in figuring that out is herself. So she has kind of faced a number of opponents and she has been successful, but she's also failed on a number of attempts as well. And she's kind of becoming kind of increasingly frustrated with kind of her not being able to properly figure it out. And it is actually still an ongoing storyline. And I'm just kind of fascinated to see kind of how it will end and what kind of the outcome of it will be by the end. Then my number two, uh, I actually wasn't the biggest fan of kind of the match it led to, but I think for the whole build up to it was tremendous. And that's Go Shiyazaki against Kazuyuki Fujita. Uh, the match itself, as I said, I wasn't the biggest fan. Obviously, it has kind of the infamous kind of half hour stare down at the beginning of it, which I think the really deciding factor there is if you watched it live i think there's a lot more people that watched it live that loved it whereas i think generally people that watch it on vod just have been kind of a bit mad on it but i think the whole build-up of it was tremendous where fujita just beats the entire beats just beats the shit out of the entire roster and just leaves them laying including shiozaki in the run-up to it and then shiozaki like it made me uh, interested as much as it probably could be in a Kazuyuki Fujita match as I really could be in 2020. And I think that alone is a tremendous achievement. And then my number one uh, feud of the year is uh, Kazuchika Okada against Tetsuya Naito. I know it was really only one match and we kind of got like pretty much just the finale of it at the start of the year. But this was just, it's been my favorite feud since it's been brewing for a while now. And that's why it's also my favorite feud of the year, even though it kind of ended right at the start of the year, maybe. Well, I say that, but we don't know yet the outcome of the uh, New Japan Cup. So right. maybe it's not over yet. Yeah, good point. All right, Ricardo, give me your picks for best feud. So best feud, again, very tricky this year. I was going to go for Ashino versus All Japan, but uh, their last show booking fiasco bombed me out completely. So number three is Congo versus DDT. This was mainly, what, two weeks, three weeks before DDT. I think it was very well handled. 
Keno was fantastic in his fire, his intensity, and the match they had against um, Sanshiro Takagi at Peter Pan. Night one was very good, was very intense. So that has my vote. Number two is Villano, Tercero Junior versus Aereo. This is, oh, these guys have been hating on each other for a couple of years now, but they had their big blow of match um, on March, and I'm going to talk more about it later. But yeah, it was very well built. And uh, during 2020, they had a couple of great promo exchanges, some fiery discussions, and it ended up with a tremendous, tremendous match. And my field of the year is Kaito Ishida versus Keisuke Okuda from Dragon Gate. So basically, um, Ishida has been an asshole. He has been having these great matches, but he always wins by cheating with help of the R.E.D. faction. He And he has been like a pain in the ass for Okuda. Okuda is this guy, this brawler, this guy that loves to strike, loves to hit you with knees, with punches. And he just, he just wants to kick Ishida's ass. And he's struggling to do so. They face each other at the King of Gate second round match. And Okuda was kicking Ishida's ass, but somehow Ishida managed to get the win by a countout. Then they had a open the Brave Gate Championship match on a Rainbow Gate, and that was fantastic. It was very intense, very hard hitting, and that that's the one that defined this to be my my favorite of the year so far. All right, Taylor, what is your three picks for best feud? So my my number three, I don't know if you'd call it a feud, but it's a storyline where things are happening, and it's you know a little bit of a feud is Allie and QT Marshall versus the Nightmare Family um, from mostly the AEW Dark um, episodes. There's some. Um, it hasn't been a feud as they've mostly been teaming together, but there has been some tension, and it's been sort of an interesting story to watch. Uh, my number two is Arisa Nakajima versus her old faction, the Selfish Strawberries from Seedling. Um, a fun storyline. Arisa Nakajima was the leader of the Selfish Strawberries, and after her first title match of the year, was attacked by Asuka, uh, not WWE Asuka, the real Asuka uh, from Japan, and kicked out of the group. And that led to a title match between Arisa and Asuka, which was really great at one of Seedling's most recent shows. And my number one, similar to Paul, although I titled it differently, uh, Yuna Mizumori versus, I said, versus Emi Sakura. Um, but it's the same point. The story of Yuna Mizumori growing, uh, becoming a better worker at the prompting of, at the prompting of Emi Sakura who has really been egging her on um, in sort of a heelish way, which uh, culminated in a big match at the end of June in Chaco Pro. So those are my three best feuds. All right. Uh, Thomas, what do you got for best feud? Thomas? Everyone has been saying at just how tough of a category this is this year, just because we haven't had as many shows. So... Uh, number three for me, uh, I struggled to come up with a number three. I ended up landing on a bit of a under-the-radar pick, uh, Takuya Nomura versus Daichi Hashimoto from Big Japan. Um, any feud that can get me to subscribe to Big Japan Core uh, is probably a pretty good feud. Uh, and I thought the match was really great, and a lot of the build-up tags were, were awesome. 
Uh, and it's a shame that they're all paywalled behind Big Japan Core. Um, and there, there are some pirates out there, but they're hard to find, uh, at least relative to the shows that are on Nico. Um, so I wanted to give that feud a shout-out just because I feel like it hasn't gotten the hype it deserved. And Takuya Nomura is just a rising star in the Japanese wrestling scene, and he's going to be amazing one day when he finally uh, wins the title. I feel like he's in my feud of the year the past three years, I think, with Hideki two years ago and with Okobayashi last year. Um, he's just a, a great worker. Number two for me is Masato Tanaka versus the DDT roster, similarly to um, Andy's pick of Shitaro Shino versus the All Japan roster. Uh, I just think the Tanaka sort of arc was was very well done. He won a title match or won DDT's Grand Prix for a title match on DDT's last show of 2019. And then he came in and just ran through the roster, beat Chris Brooks, beat Hiroshima for the title. Uh, and then every, it's seemingly every time he defended the title, people thought he was going to lose, but he beat Kanosuke Takashida, went into Empty Arena, had some great matches there, including, I think, two of the best matches of Empty Arena against Yuki Sakaguchi and Tetsuya Endo, um, the latter being on Peter Pan. So that was just... Not really a feud, but just more of a storyline of the DDT roster all teaming up. And you saw, like, All Out and Damnation supporting each other because they wanted to take the title off of the outsider. I thought that was a really uh, cool story. And number one for me, I mean, obviously number one would be Master Wado versus Dookie, but that doesn't qualify because it was in July. Um, so number one for me instead is, and I'm surprised no one have, has said this yet, it's Tetsuya Naito versus Kenta from New Japan. Uh, I'm the high man on the match. I guess I think that's wise because the match was pretty divisive, but I loved their match together. Uh, and the angle after Tetsuya Naito's win at Wrestle Kingdom uh, where Kenta attacked him, it legitimately got me angry in a way that I don't think any any angle has ever gotten me angry. Um, and so for that reason, I think it's the feud of the year uh, by a pretty wide margin. All right. And finally, Tyler, give me your picks for best feud. Absolutely. Um, my number three feud is going to be uh, um, a little off the wall. It's going to be um, r- rational wrestling fans versus defenders of the fiend. Uh, <laughs> okay. It, um, anybody who defends the fiend is ridiculous. He's awful, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, number two, uh, Chris Jericho, John Moxley. Um, I thought this was really well built um, as we, as myself kind of getting used to the structure of the uh, quarterly pay-per-views, seeing how Jericho tries to, you know, kind of play cult leader and get John Moxley to join the inner circle and even bribing him with, uh, with the really expensive sports car. And then a continuing storyline with Moxley keeping the sports car that the Moxley getting his eye uh, poked out and then, using that in new Japan Canon for weeks on end uh, and the build there and Moxley taking the title at revolution, I thought was excellent. And then number one, I am with Thomas, a man of good taste, uh, Kenta Naito uh, far and away from me, the best feud of the year. Uh, The angle at Russell kingdom was fantastic. Uh, Getting 30,000 people who were just absolutely thrilled for the fact that Naito got his moment, uh, just booing the living shit out of Kenta and him just loving every second of it. The lead up to the match at Dominion while the, the match at Dominion was loaded with a lot of interference. I thought it was really good. Uh, great storyline considering Kenta just can't go as, as well as he could back in his Noah days. And then uh, Naito just being uh, 
as great as Naito is, uh, just was the perfect foil for Kenta. Uh, really um, established him as a as a babyface in this uh, feud, and it was just excellent throughout. All right, and for best feud, uh, I so I also put Shotaro Ashino against All Japan in third. Even though I wasn't super into the shows, uh, you know, I could get the feud worked on a certain level and there wasn't a lot of uh options here honestly second i went with uh, a pick i'm surprised nobody else picked which was moxley versus suzuki from new japan i thought when suzuki came out to interrupt moxley at the dome uh that was prop that's probably my favorite moment of 2020 so far other than naito winning like that's just such a it was such a cool moment when he like came out to his full theme song in the middle of the dome and like john moxley was like freaking out in the ring and you know, it made perfect sense too, since like uh, I Moxley had like DDT'd Suzuki in the process of going after Archer back at Power Struggle. So I liked how they really like brought it all this thing that could have been nothing, you know, like a nothing moment or just something that happened ended up meeting something, which you know I always appreciate that kind of thing. Uh, and I liked the match a lot too at New Beginning in Osaka. And number one, I went with Tetsuya Naito against Kenta. Um, you know, people pretty much covered it, but. The moment at the end of the Dome was such a big deal. Uh, and then, you know, not only... I mean, it's one of the few feuds this year that you can say drew money because they sold out Osaka Joe Hall uh, for the first time in the middle of, uh, you know, right before the... The first time they've run Osaka Joe Hall for a new beginning in Osaka, which was not a guarantee by any stretch. It did come down a little bit to the wire. But, you know, they sold it out back in the time when you could sell out buildings. So that's my number one feud of the year. Uh, let's go ahead to Most Outstanding Wrestler, because I'd like to keep Most Outstanding and Wrestler of the Year separate. We only have four categories left here. Uh, so Most Outstanding Wrestler, uh, just in ring, nothing else considered. Uh, what are your picks here, Andy, for Most Outstanding Wrestler so far in 2020? Yeah, uh, for Most Outstanding for me, I have a hard time, especially this year, I have a hard time every year separating Most Outstanding and, uh, and Wrestler of the Year. Uh, every year they're often pretty similar uh, and this year's even harder I think but uh, we'll see a little bit of difference uh, my number three is Go Shiyazaki. Uh he's had uh, I think his title win against uh, Kiyomiya at the beginning of the year his defense against Fujita uh, was really good uh, and his defense against Akatoshi Saito uh, was also really good uh, that's uh, yeah, Akatoshi Saito and Kazuyuki Fujita had really good matches this year with uh with um Koshiyazaki. Uh, that's a uh, speaks for itself to me um and uh, he's been excellent in, in multi-mans and, and and part as part of access as well so uh, he's my number three uh my number two and this is based mostly off of uh the the two matches right there at the beginning of the year uh, on january 4th and january 5th is kazuchika okada uh, i ranked them just a little it could have been him or naito but i think also uh, a couple of the matches here in the new japan cup put okada ahead for me um not the hiromu match which i may be the lowest person on uh, in vow on that match uh but he still is number two for me just had uh, the highest peaks of anybody uh and my number one uh is uh, i think everyone probably knows i've been pretty vocal about how great he's been this year is katsuhiko nakajima uh he's had uh, three four and a half star singles matches this year at least and a few others uh, that are really good and i think he's been excellent so nakajima is my number one most outstanding all right paul give me your most outstanding wrestler pick so far for 2020 yeah uh, my number three pick is mesa ruga uh she is 
far and away the best worker uh, in Got to Move, and she kind of has continued that this year as well. It's still kind of baffling to think about that she's really only like two years of experience. Uh, she's had some tremendous matches so far, uh, one of my favorite of which I will actually talk about later. So I'm just going to keep it there. Um, then my number two is Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, it's kind of a safe pick, I suppose, but she has been tremendous both kind of when New Japan was running normally, as well as kind of now in the empty arena. He has delivered, I think, some of the best performances uh, of the empty arena shows that I've seen. And uh, uh, the only one that kind of was better than him at kind of empty arena wrestling, at least to me, was Hiromu Takahashi, who has had some absolute bangers in the empty arena setting, uh, as well as kind of even before that, had some excellent matches where uh, I think it's all, almost been kind of forgotten that he had another tremendous match with Riley, Lee, because of course he did. And just overall, just a great body of work so far, and I'm sure he will continue that in the second half of the year as well. All right. Uh, give me your most outstanding wrestler picks, Ricardo. Um, okay, very difficult, but uh, my number three would be Shingo Takagi. I think his matches against Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and recently show were absolutely outstanding. He's been a joy to watch during the six-man title defenses. He's been easily the highlight of every single match out of them. So yeah, number three is Shingo Takagi. Number two is Masato Tanaka. He's been a joy to watch. I think his uh, KOD Openweight Championship reign has been was very good. Uh, matches against Harashima, Mao, Takeshita. Um, I'm missing one. Oh, of course, when uh, he recently lost against Endo, it was one of the best empty arena matches so far. So yeah, Masato Tanaka has been killing it. Uh, and he also had a couple of great 0-1 matches. And my most outstanding wrestler is Naruki Doi. He's the Open the Dreamgate champion. He had two very, very good uh, title defenses against Casey in uh, January, I think, and against Susumu Yokosuka before the pandemic hit. And he was the MVP of the King of Gate tournament. He had very fun matches with Bigar Shimizu, with uh, Kaito Ishida, with Kai. And I think he has been a joy to watch. He's been hitting on all cylinders. And uh, Naruki Do is, is my most outstanding wrestler. All right. Uh, Taylor, give me your most outstanding wrestler picks for 2020 so far. All right. Number three is Mei Hoshizuki from Marvelous. Um, she is a rare wrestler who never seems to give any less than 100% during every moment of every match I've seen her in. Um, just some incredible matches this year that I'm sure most people have not seen. Um, just hard hitting. Um, you know, we often think of sort of when matches are hard hitting, they are, you know, shoot style matches are the only type of matches that can be hard hitting. Uh, but Mei Hoshizuki has some of the hardest hitting matches I've seen, just kicks, strikes, things like that. And I think she's had a great year. Uh, my number two. Uh, and this, if this is, if this gets me booted um, from this podcast forever, uh, so be it. Kenny Omega. In uh, <laughs> uh, 
there's been a lot of noise about how his Google searches are down. People aren't searching for him on Google as much. I don't really give a shit about any of that. He's having great matches in all types of different settings. He had a great match on a boat with Riho, an intergender tag match with a wrestler I despise in Kip Sabian. Dragged a good match out of him, unbelievably. A great match with uh, Pac. Um, obviously, the tag with Hangman Adam Page, the stadium stampede. I just think far and away he's been he's had a really great year. And my number one wrestler is Yuna Mizumori. As I talked about, she was in my number one feud. She's had so many great matches for Chaco Pro. Two uh, last person standing matches that were great, considering I'm not really a fan of that stipulation. She had a really good um, Iron Woman, 30-minute Iron Woman match, which was really, really good. A bunch of great tags. And I think far and away, the combination of great in-ring as well as a really gripping story make her my easy number one pick of the year. All right. Uh, Thomas, give me your top three for most outstanding. All right. Yeah, this was a category that I think just because of Empty Arena, I, I haven't hated it as much as most people, but it's just not peaked very high. I think no one would really argue with that, that no one really spoke to me, and so I kind of just went almost strictly just off of my ratings. Um, so number three for me is a familiar name. It's Yuji Okabayashi. I think he makes my list pretty much every year. Uh, just my type of wrestler, you know, a big guy. You know that beats the shit out of other big guys. He's had uh, some great singles matches this year in Zero One in Big Japan, and then also uh, he had that great 30-minute draw in Zero One that got hyped uh, back in March, and also uh, a Big Japan title challenge with Yuji Okabay or with Shigeru Irie uh, against Sekimoto and Koi Sato, which I think I was on the show to talk about actually that pair of tag matches that, that were both really excellent. Uh, number two for me is another guy that I think is pretty much on my list every year. That's Kento Miyahara. Um, he's just, I think, in terms of crowd connection, uh, in terms of like getting people excited to watch their matches, he is unparalleled, um, the best in the world at that, um, even though he lost the title. I think he's translated to Empty Arena incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, he had a pair of tag title matches in the early stages of Empty Arena against, uh, or with Akira Francesco against uh, Yankee Tukenju, and then uh, with Yoshitatsu against the Violent Giants that I think were both uh, excellent, excellent matches. Not to mention, obviously, already mentioned the Lee match uh, and the Suwama match from earlier this year that were both uh, tremendous stuff. And the number one for me, uh, and this is one that I I've thought about uh, whether or not he deserves it, but it's got to be Kazuchika Okada for me. Um, and that's that's tough for me to say because honestly, I've, I've kind of despised his New Japan Cup run. I was by far, I think, the low person on the Nagata match. I thought it was really quite average. Um, in the Hiroma match, I think I'm I'm not terribly high on either. Um, but it's just when you have two matches on back-to-back nights um, that that were so good um, with the Ibushi and Naito matches, obviously I'm talking about, uh, it's just hard to deny uh, that anyone can touch that. Um, I don't think anybody's had two matches that can, can compare, except for I guess maybe Kento with the Lee and Suwama matches are the only one that comes close. Uh, and of course, you got the Tai Chi match. Everyone forgets about the Tai Chi match. That was uh, good stuff too. So yeah, number one for me is for now Kazuchika Okada. All right, Tyler, give me your most outstanding wrestlers. All right, my most outstanding wrestlers. Um, number three, uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, I haven't been the biggest fan of his booking and his star power is uh, 
seriously decreased since he left New Japan, but the in-ring output has still been uh, really, really good, including the uh, tag match he and Paige had against the Young Bucks in at Revolution in February, which I gave five stars. Uh, it wasn't quite as good as the Golden Lovers-Bucks match, but it was still excellent uh, and proof that uh, even with uh, the booking and kind of being uh, stuck in, in the tag team uh, realm in AEW, he's still top-notch. Uh, number two, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, I, I really wish he would learn to adapt uh, his style to Empty Arena because he keeps trying to have these drawn-out epics, and I'm really starting to see why people get frustrated with uh, watching his matches because in the Empty Arena atmosphere, it just feels like the same thing. It's just going through the motions. You know, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then he's choking people out. Uh, even so, uh, two five-star matches at the beginning of the year at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, and then he had a really good match against Tai Chi uh, on the New Beginning Tour, and his empty arena matches have still been good, even uh, if they were not up to the level that we normally see from Okada. Um, number one, Hiromu Takahashi. His uh, his match against uh, Will Ospreay was incredible, and then he followed it up with... Uh, a surprisingly really good tag match in Liger's last match with Rhea Lee. And then they had an absolute banger at New Beginning in Osaka, uh, which I went four and three quarters. And then his empty arena has been really good. Uh, the match against Ishii was fantastic. Uh, he dragged a four-star match out of Hanma. And then I am the highest person in the world on it, but I thought uh, uh, the Hiromu Yano match was a four-and-a-half-star match in that was one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. Uh, he's He's been the best wrestler in the world so far this year, and I don't think it's relatively close. All right. Uh, for my most outstanding wrestlers, um, a lot of these were covered already. I went with Naito in third. Uh, he has a five-star Okada for me, uh, the four and, a card, four and a quarter with Kenta, and it's just been a very light year, and I haven't watched a ton of stuff. I, I could... I, Ricardo almost talked me to going Shingo instead. It's really close. Maybe I'll put them tied. I don't know. But they both they both had a good uh, start to their year. Uh, second place, I would go with Goshi Ozaki. Uh, you know, four and three quarter title win over Kaito. The four and a half star empty arena match with Fujita. Four star title loss on, or tag title loss on January 5th. Um, I just think his work has been really great. So Goshi Ozaki second. And Hiromu Takahashi first. Uh, two four and three quarter star matches with Osprey and Ryu Lee, a another four and a quarter, four and a quarter with empty arena match with Honma of all people. So it's definitely been Hiromu's year so far for me. So those are my top three or four, I guess if you want to count that I uh, chickened out on third there and tied Naito and Shingo. All right, so match of the year will be next. Uh, Andy, what do you have here for your 2020 match of the year so far? Awesome. Uh, yeah, my number three match of the year, um, I think I have uh, a bunch of matches that are kind of tied number three at uh, four and a half stars, something like six or seven of them. Um, uh, and my number three, I, I kind of just weighed uh, maybe a little bit uh, recent uh, as it was a recent watch. It's fresh in my head. Uh, but I just watched this this week and this was uh, Katsuko Nakajima versus Shitaro Oshino uh, from February 12th uh, in Wrestle 1. Uh, this was Nakajima's only successful defense of the title. Um, and really just two of my favorite wrestlers um, 
suplexing each other, kicking each other, chopping each other, uh, brawled a little bit on the outside, just kind of like a, an awesome match uh, that, that you know, well, I guess is probably WrestleMania's last truly great match. So uh, good way for that, that promotion to go out, I suppose. Um, my number two match I uh, posted about this last week in the Voices of Wrestling Slack. And actually, I know I did get, uh, I think, Thomas and Taylor at least to, to watch this match. But this just happened uh, about a week ago as we talked, just over a week ago. Uh, and this is uh, from St. Louis Anarchy and Journey Pro. Uh, they did a free YouTube match. I think it was supposed to be on independent wrestling TV initially. Uh, but this is a 60-minute Iron Man match uh, where uh, they're, they're opening up donations to charity. Uh, and this is between Jeremy Wyatt and Fred Yehi. Um, it's 60 minutes. Uh, it's American indie wrestling. It's basically empty arena. They have like trainees or something uh, along the ringside. Uh, but their pace that they keep for the 60 minutes uh, is really good. Um, they're probably my two of my uh, maybe five to 10 favorite independent wrestlers uh, active. And uh, they really knocked it out of the park. There's blood, there's brawling, there's a lot of technical wrestling. Uh, it just worked in this really kind of unique way that you don't see too much in indie wrestling anymore so i really really love that match and it's kind of a, a perfect andy uh, match uh, if that makes sense for those people who know me um and my number one i think will probably be shared by a lot of people i think this is uh, the best uh new japan match uh, since okada shibata uh, whether or not you agree with me i think this is uh far and away the best match uh, of the year uh, and that is Okada versus Naito. Um, I understand some people don't like that as much as they like Okada Bushi. We don't need to get in that conversation. Uh, but I think this one is uh, is really the, the a true New Japan classic. So Okada versus Naito. Uh, there you go. All right. Uh, go ahead, Paul. Give me your top three for match of the year. Yeah. So my number three is uh, Hiroki Goto versus Shingo Takagi from New Beginning in Sapporo. That is. Uh, Shingo's never title win. I think that match is almost a little bit forgotten at this stage. Uh, because so, so much has happened since then, I suppose. Uh, but I thought that match was just tremendous, just hard-hitting action like you would expect from those two. And just going non-stop, just beating the shit out of each other. And just a tremendous moment as well for Shingo winning a big singles title in New Japan and just establishing himself as a proper heavyweight and uh, as one of the top guys in the company. Uh, then my number two uh, is Mace Ruga uh, versus Asuka from the 23rd of May. Um, so that match kind of has it's kind of a very special match as well. It's uh, Asuka was great friends with uh, Hana Kimura, and Hana Kimura's suicide happened uh, the day before this match happened. And apparently, Emi Sakura rang Asuka up the morning and told her, and, and she wanted to ask her, like, and she wanted to tell her that, like, obviously, like, she doesn't need to come if she doesn't want to. And she apparently just told her right away before Emi could even say anything that she wants to do the match. And uh, you could kind of see at the start that Asuka seemed a bit off, but then once the match got going, she got really, really into it. And it was almost, uh, not almost, it was therapeutic. Uh, it was therapeutic for her, but I think it was also therapeutic for the audience. And it definitely was therapeutic for me as well, because just it, 
it was kind of a weird situation where it just felt kind of unreal and just felt kind of numb and just kind of watching this match kind of helped kind of come to terms with it as well. And just kind of even without all of that context, it's just a damn great match just even without that where May just bounces around uh, Asuka like a ball of energy and just tries to like manage to like tries to like wear her down somehow and just at one point just hits her full force in the face with a candlestick. Uh, and then Asuka just getting progressively just fed up with May's antics and then just starts viciously beating her down halfway through the match and then ultimately neither of them is like managing to get a win and it ends in a time limit draw and yeah just a great match kind of both kind of from a therapy aspect as well as kind of from a match aspect and then my number one is Tetsuya Naito versus uh, Katsuchika Okada from uh, Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 uh, I think maybe what kind of became apparent kind of from the previous match as well is the thing I value above all else is an emotional connection to the match. And there just wasn't anything else that like came close in like emotional connection in this match. Uh, it has been built up for such a long time. This entire Naito storyline that has been going on for years where he's tried as starters, genius, and he failed. He, and he got voted out of the main event as Stardust Genius. He tried as Tranquilo, L.I.J., Naito, and he still failed. So finally, he just comes back, and he kind of feels like that this is likely like his last chance at greatness. This is like, it's do or die now. And what was kind of, I think, for me, kind of the key storyline like throughout like, all of the matters was like him trying to hit the Stardust press and failing every single time. And I think some speculation was that he wasn't even going to go for the Stardust Press in this match, and that would be how he finally wins it. But no, instead, he just points to the turnbuckle, jumps up, and does it. He just goes up, and he does it, and he wins. And uh, yeah, I, f I think that was kind of even more overcoming it, where previously maybe like he just wanted to be kind of this Stardust genius person, and hit this move, and he was kind of unsure of himself when he hit it previously, whereas here he just went up and he just did it and fuck it. And that just overall, like, the whole story was just tremendous, and then obviously the reaction in the arena and I think around the world was just one of elation when Naito finally managed to do it and just finally managed to win that title and overcome Okada and just become an even greater star than he was previously. All right. Taylor, what do you got here for match of the year? Are we skipping Ricardo? Oh, I'm sorry, Ricardo. Go ahead. Don't worry, Ricardo. I'm looking at <laughs> it's been you. it's been a long two hours of recording, I guess. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no problem. Number three is uh, Ibushi versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom Night One. Just a tremendous uh, match, full of drama, full of intensity and high hitting action i went five stars number two is and i'm heartbroken that andy didn't mention this one is atlantis Ter pardon sorry villano tercero jr versus aereo mask versus mask match in ciudad juarez this was an absolute masterpiece and one of the best lucha matches of the last 10 years this was high drama this had intensity this was a savage storytelling device um, 
this rewarded you for following the history of Lucha, for having watched Atlantis versus Villano Tercero, the historic uh, match from 2000, March 2000. Um, this was full of escalation of drama. Every fall, mother, you know, the first fall with Aereo establishing his style, trying to humiliate Villano Tercero Jr. by making him submit with La Atlantida, which was the same submission hold that made his father lose his mask 20 years ago. Then we've got a bunch of incredible brawling, people flying out of uh, structures. This was an incredible, incredible match. I wrote a long piece for for VoicesOfWrestling.com. It has a divisive finish, but I think it was pitch perfect. It pushed Villano Tercero Jr. to be one of the most must see junk luchadors in Mexico right now and just an all around incredible drama and high intensity match. I, if you haven't seen it, it's almost one hour long, but I really, really uh, encourage you to watch it. And that number one is Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito from Wrestle Kingdom. This was just a, a masterpiece. This was professional rust wrestling made art in its highest form. Highest quality of entertainment, um, a match full of storytelling that rewarded me for following the company, for following Naito's story, and just a match that uh, made me cry, and one match that I will never mm. forget. Just an incredible masterpiece. It definitely made me cry too, honestly. Not, not ashamed to admit that. Uh, I think we're what, three for three so far for Naito Okada. I kind of have yes. a feeling Taylor's going to break it, but let's see if Taylor... <laughs> If Taylor does or not. Go ahead, Taylor. Um, so my number three pick, you know, we've talked a lot about how the empty arena stuff has been uh, tough. It's been tough for me at times, but there have been highlights. So I wanted one match on here. I don't know that this would, would finish in a top 10 as number three. Um, but I, my number three, am choosing Go Shiazaki versus Kazuyuki Fujita mm. from Noah. That is on- an awesome match. March 29th. I just think I did watch it live um, and it was just such a it was such an experience of it felt very much sort of like a cultural moment in terms of, you know, in the Voices of Wrestling Slack, everyone was talking about it. Everyone on Twitter was talking about it all at the same time as it was happening live. And it was sort of this wild um, just sort of communal experience that I feel like in many ways doesn't often happen um with live wrestling you know a lot of new japan shows happen late at night so some people stay up and watch them some people watch them later so there's really never a moment when everyone's together um and things like that and obviously wwe is producing negative cultural moments (laughs) um so we won't include that but it was just a super fun match just super wild unexpected i mean fujita guzzling hand sanitizer will probably be one of the one of the moments that will stick out for me for years to come um, in this match. I gotta say so something I really- about I gotta say something about this. Uh, this was like Saturday night into Sunday, right? Eastern time for us. Yeah. If you I watched this live too, I, I think, and here's why I say I think, because I was this I looked at the counter to make sure. This is what I was I had fucking COVID, probably. <laughs> so if you want an experience, not just watch this live, watch this live like while recovering from the coronavirus, that's really uh, quite the experience. But uh, 
and probably part of the reason why I both will never forget it and don't remember some parts of it that well because I was probably like that was like the first night when I first like started to feel better I would say like right after the peak of the like the peak of the illness was probably Thursday Wednesday through Friday for me so uh yeah it was a uh, it was really something so I mean it's the first time Noah was talked about on a grand scale in a half decade I mean it's at least it was definitely the most talked about Noah match in, in forever. Whether or not you love it or hate it, I mean, had everybody, people who haven't watched Noah in years, watch that match or at least were participating in the conversation. It yeah. Was totally. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, um, like I said, maybe wouldn't be my number three match of the year if I were doing a larger list, but wanted to get it on as sort of a representation of the positive um, of the empty arena era. My number two match is Mei Hoshizuki versus Maria from Marvelous on January 19th. This ties in with my most outstanding wrestler, Mei Hoshizuki, has been great. Maria has been right there, maybe just below um, her. Just a match of two young competitors, I think combined, Hoshizuki and Maria have maybe four years in the business, uh, maybe a little bit less but just two young wrestlers going out 100%, you know, going as fast as they can, 100% effort, just a full out, a feeling of a true fight, uh, which I really loved. I really went into this match not expecting all that much. It's the opening match of the show, uh, and it blew me away. And my number one match, John, uh, was right. Uh, I will be the outlier here and pick... From just making it in from June 30th, 2020, Yuna Mizumori versus Emi Sakura from Choco Pro number 28. As we as I talked about in the best feud, Mizumori in, involved in the big overarching storyline of Choco Pro. And this was sort of at this point, you think maybe it might go on. This is sort of the big conclusion. Mizumori finally getting a match against Emi Sakura. She actually had to leave the promotion briefly in order for Sakura to agree to a match. Coming back and having a last woman standing match. Just a lot of emotion. Some great moves. Emi Sakura pulling out moves that she hasn't done in many, many years. Like the ice driver, uh, which she usually never does. So high stakes, high emotions big time story and some great action at Ichigawa chocolate square. So that is my far and away number one match of the year. All right. Uh, go ahead, Thomas, give me your match of the year picks. All right. Number three for me is a match that I was uh, a little upset. Andy didn't pick. It was go Shiozaki versus Kaito Kimiya from Noah's new sunrise on January 4th. Uh, just an awesome start to the year. Uh, for Noah, a surprising result that I don't think many people saw coming. I think everyone thought Goshiozaki was kind of a token defense uh, for Kaito, and and he pulled the upset and went on to have what has been, I think, a very good title run so far. Uh, despite, I think, a lot of Noah's failings in Empty Arena, I think the Go uh, title matches have been the highlights. Both uh, you and Ricardo are so disappointed in me. Those are both, like, my, my four and five. So yeah. They round out my top five. There you go. Um, no, I'm not. And then, uh, number two for me. Uh, so actually, uh, yesterday, literally yesterday, I watched the Aereo, uh, versus Viano three junior match that Ricardo talked about earlier. And it was such a good match. 
I had it at number four on my list um, after watching it. And I was like, man, I just really wanted this to be in my top three. And I had uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi sitting at number two. And it was a match that has not gotten nearly as, as much universal praise as the Okada Naito match. I was like, you know what? I, it it could have been, you know, rose-colored glasses. I watched it. And, I, I mean, I think the early stages were slow. I wouldn't use the word boring, which I think is kind of the separator between me and some of the people that are slightly lower on the match. But the second half of the match is just incredible stuff. And, you know, the finishing stretch is probably the best I've seen this year. Just incredible drama uh, throughout the back half of that match. And I had to keep it at number two. I couldn't. Uh, give Triple A the nod, but they get my honorable mention at number four. Uh, and then number one for me has to be Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito uh, from Wrestle Kingdom Night 2, uh, January 5th. All three of my top three matches come in a, come in a, a two-day span on January 4th and January 5th, uh, which I thought was funny. But, yep, I mean, I will make it, was it, like four out of five for Okada Naito. Just, I think, one of the more clear match of the years that we've had in recent years. Um, yeah. All right, Tyler. All right. Um, my number three match is one that we can debate whether it's a match or not. Um, I have the stadium stampede match from Double or Nothing. I, it's a it's a match. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Um, I thought it was uh, fantastic. Uh, <sighs> one of the things that AEW has done a really good job of establishing is that uh, little things matter. One of the reasons why I started to fall in love with New Japan when I started watching is anything that you see or hear uh, throughout um, every show matters somewhere down the line. Like uh, we just saw with Naito finally getting his big win at Wrestle Kingdom. It was kind of a seven to eight year story arc of him finally getting that moment. And with the little things in Stadium Stampede, uh, you got uh, payoffs from uh, segments on being the elite. You got uh, payoffs from different uh, matches and moments throughout Dynamite and even AEW Dark. Uh, I thought it was very well done. I thought even though the Matt Hardy stuff was kind of bad and hokey, um, I really popped when they did the matter-of-fact bit, kind of like the uh, Matt Hardy version 2.0 circuit 2003. I thought that was a really fun callback. And uh, just the, the stuff with uh, Adam Page and then uh, finishing off with Omega doing the one-winged angel like 20 feet high, uh, even though it was onto a crash pad, I thought was awesome. Uh, my number two match of the year, uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay from Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, probably, Ospreay is kind of like the king of the gifts. He's, it, there's a lot of different sequences he does that are easily gifable and that you'll see pop up online. And the one where uh, he gets uh, thrown through the ropes and then comes back out with the Sasuke special uh, was one of the best moments of Wrestle Kingdom for me. And uh, Hiromo having to bust out uh, Time Bomb 2 in order to uh, get the victory over Osprey, I thought was a nice little touch, kind of graduating Will uh, up to the heavyweights, uh, making him uh, look strong on his way out of the junior division. And then number one, uh, there's really not much more I can say about it. It's Okada Naito. Uh, I think one of the my favorite little uh, quips from the match was at the end, and Okada's walking away from the ring. And then Naito asked him um, how his main event was and then that they should do it again. And Okada just raises a fist, kind of uh, culminating the moment. And then you got the the turn of the, or the angle of the year with Kenta. And it was just very well done. Uh, Thomas, you need to mute yourself. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I don't know if you can hear me or if you stepped away. Okay. Uh, anyway, my match of the year picks uh, for 2020 so far. I went with Hiromu Takahashi versus Ryu Lee from New Japan February 9th and 3rd. Like I said earlier, I seem to love that match way more than almost anybody. But, you know, the two of them slapping each other at the start for like almost 10 straight minutes. I just thought it was fucking awesome. And I love the rest of the match, too. So, third place for me. Easy pick there. Second, I went with Kaito Kiyomiya versus Go Shiozaki from Noah on January 4th. And, you know, again, these were all covered. These two especially were covered, uh, you know, earlier. But definitely an awesome match. And first place, my only five-star match of the year so far. And I will echo what Andy said much earlier. It is the best New Japan match since Okada Shibata in 2017. Uh... That is Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada. New Japan Pro Wrestling, January 5th, Tokyo Dome. Um, you know, I just, I've watched the match like six times or something. And so, I, you know, I understand the idea that like, you know, you need to be emotionally connected with the match and blah, 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 blah. And I clearly was emotionally connected. Uh, you know, I just gripping my phone. I, I, I watched it live. And, you know, I just remember being sitting there like 5 a.m. or whatever, like gripping my phone like so fucking hard. It was going to like pass into my skin like uh, the penny in that of Homer Simpson, that episode. Uh, but, but like, you know, it was uh, it was just an incredible match. though. like I really think it's hel- it's held up every time I've rewatched it, even, um, you know, without that same kind of raw emotional connection of following the Naito story. And, you know, seeing it come to an end in real time. So, it's an incredible match. Uh, Naito's selling was especially just incredible in that match. There's a moment towards the end where, after Okada had worked over the knee for a while, where Naito hits the Destino on Okada. And, you know, he has to do a pretty standard spot, which is, like, sell your body part so you can't make the cover. And the guy kicks out. And so many wrestlers nowadays do that spot. Uh, you know, incredibly corny and over the top in a bad way. And he, you know, just clutches the knee for like maybe half a second, uh, makes it very clear that the thing hurts without making it look stupid and over the top, and then goes to do the cover. It, it might be the best version of that spot I've ever seen. So, you know, he's always been really good at like bumping and selling, but also selling in a way that like uh, can draw you in without being super fucking corny like so much of wrestling selling is nowadays. So, you know, I just wanted to highlight that one spot of it, especially because I think it really highlights what he did well in that match. And Okada was awesome too, not to take anything away from him. I mean, he was, you know, I think it's it was his best performance since that Shibata match for sure. So there you go, match of the year. Tag team of the year. Uh, we only got two of these left now. Uh, the uh, This is a, a hard, I, I don't know about anybody else, but this was the hardest category for me personally. I don't think there's been many great tag teams, especially in, in stuff that I actually watch. So, Andy, what'd you put here for tag team of the year? Yeah, a lot of the categories are hard. This one was hard, too, but it was kind of helped due to some, some conversations we've had in the last uh, couple of days. Um, and uh, you may see other content on uh, VOW in the coming weeks about kind of the tag team scene right now. Um, but I, I did settle on on three. Um Number one was easy for me. Number two and three could have uh, really been interchangeable. Uh, for number three, I, I did settle on Axis. That's Katsuhiro Nakajima and Go Shiyazaki, uh, which uh, I know Joe, when I kind of said that, 
uh, Joe Lanza was pretty surprised uh, since him and a lot of other people were so down on the tag league. Uh, but I do, I did include a couple of uh, six man or eight man tags that they were also part of. Uh, but really, I, I think even within the tag league, they were the highlights and in a year really devoid of good tag team wrestling. Uh, the fact that they have multiple matches on the old uh, uh, spreadsheet uh, means that, that they're pretty good. Uh, and I, I am biased towards the two members, uh, Shiazaki and Nakajima, but uh, I do find uh, their matches to be really engaging. Um, number two, uh, this is also sort of a cheat, um, but uh, not really. Uh, it is strong hearts. That's T-Hawk and L. Lindemann, uh, but I am also including some damn hearts. Uh, that's including uh, Tetsuya Endo. Um, I just think even if they haven't had as many matches that I've seen or even the highest of highs, um, I think what they provide as a team is so refreshing. Uh, the two of them have uh, the whole year and even last year have just been like working at this this incredible pace when they're in the ring, uh, where uh, even if their matches under deliver occasionally, I'm always like so excited when when they're on a show. So I can't help but put them uh, at number two. And my number one tag team of the year is the current KOD tag team champions. That's Nautilus. Uh, that's uh, Yuki Ueno and Nao- Naomi Yoshimura. Um, and uh, there's a couple of young guys uh, who neither of them on their own, I think, are like spectacular uh, generational talents or anything. Uh, but I think they've just put together some really strong matches. Um, and it's just fun to have kind of a young tag team uh, wrestling all over the place. So uh, they are my number one, Nautilus. Um, so uh, my number three uh, tag team of the year uh, was uh, Jin, the Jin team of uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto. Um, not that they had any kind of specific great match. They just had like a series of very, very solid uh, matches in all Japan. Uh, held the... Um, uh, all Asia tag team titles uh, for a good part of the year, and then otherwise just had like a series of very very good matches. Uh, then they lost the title to actually my number two team of the year, that is Yankee to Kenju, uh, where uh, they've had a great um, Big Japan tag team match earlier in the year against uh, Koei Sato and Daisuke Sakimoto as well as winning the uh, all-Asia tag titles, as I mentioned, from Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto, and then had a number of uh, very good defenses on the uh, All-Japan shows over the uh, past couple of weeks. And then for my number one team, I actually did some late research because uh, I saw a bunch of people kind of uh, hyping up Nautilus. So actually, uh, I watched... They're kind of hyped up matches, and I can confirm that they're also my uh, tag team uh, of the year so far. Uh, Their matches have been very good. They have a very good kind of basic um, uh, composition of the tag team of a big guy and a, well, not a little guy, but a smaller guy, uh, which always makes for a very good dynamic of the matches. And I think uh, that their title win uh, against Damnation uh, probably is the best tag match, tag match that I've seen so far this year. And uh, that just makes them like the best tag team of the year so far. All right. Ricardo, give me your tag team of the year picks. Again, this was very difficult. Um, my, If we could have trios, I would have voted for Los Jinetes del Aire. On, um, oh, no, no, you, no, can, you can vote for trios. Okay, okay, so 
I'm gonna change things a bit. Uh, honorable mentions would be Chango and Kaji Tomato, and uh, the Strong Hearts. I really, really love the Strong Hearts uh, matches in 2020, but uh, there haven't been many of them. So I have to go with number three to uh, Los Jinetes del Aire, El Hijo del Vikingo, Mixesis Jr. and Octagon Jr. They've been having some very fun, fun matches in AAA during the first three months of the year against Los Mercenarios, against the Novo Poder del Norte, against uh, Australian Suicide and Villano. So, yeah, they've been very, very fun. Uh, number two would be Nautilus. Again, uh, Andy and Paul already talked about him. They've been fantastic. Their match against the Stronghearts at Peter Pan is probably my one of my favorites uh, empty arena matches so far and just all around fun tag team great chemistry and uh, they were also very fun in empty arena setting and my tag team of the year I'm sorry John is Hangman Page (laughs) and Kenny Omega thank you for apologizing first (laughs) I think they have been fantastic their um, Young Box match their SCU match at the, um, what, the Jericho Cruise or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I have really enjoyed their output. They have one very good match against the Lucha Brothers, against SU, the Young Bucks at the Stadium Stampede. Whenever they were on screen together, it was electric. So they have great chemistry and they have been a blast to watch. Uh, this, so, gives, yeah. this, gives, Kenny Omega. this gives me a chance to plug the Patreon again because... I talked all about the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Young Bucks match. On our Which latest. did you bury, right? Uh, I, I don't know if I buried it. I mean, buried is probably too strong. I definitely buried elements of it. So you can hear all about it uh, patreon.com slash wrestling omakase, which is a. It was the, the latest uh, uh, exclusive episode with me and Nate from Everything Elite. He picked that match. Uh, well, he picked it as a fan vote pick, and the, the fans decided to, they wanted to hear my thoughts on it, which, you know, uh, you can definitely check it out. $5 a month, and you'll be able to hear all about what I thought of that match. Uh, Taylor, give me your tag team of the year picks. So my number three tag team from Choco Pro is the Best Bros tag team of Balian Aki and May Saruga. I think they've had uh, a fun year. They have really fun chemistry and they've had a lot of good matches uh my number two strong hearts already sort of been covered um from uh ddt they've had a lot of uh, not a lot but a number of i think fun matches that i've enjoyed and in its sort of down year that helps get them near the top and the, and my number one no apology to john uh is the one-winged cowboys of Kenny Omega and Adam Page. As Ricardo just said, a lot of great matches this year. Um, so to me, they were an obvious number one pick. Thomas, what is your what are your picks for tag team of the year? All right. Uh, number three for me is, I kind of cheated a little bit, like people have said, it's been a hard year for tag teams. My, my number three was Asami Kodaka and X. Um, <laughs> what? Okay, hear me out, John. Hear me out, John. Asami Kodaka, for me, has had uh, a four-star or higher rated tag match with six different partners so far this year, which I thought was kind of insane, um, with Yuko Miyamoto, Ryuichi Sakai, Minoru Fujita, Daiki Shimomura, Toshika Sakuda, and Takuya Nomura, all in separate matches. 
which I thought was kind of an insane accomplishment. So I wanted to give him a credit there for having great matches with six different partners. Um, and if, if you made me pick a real number three, uh, it would probably be uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. But, I mean, I want to go with Asami Kodaka and X for, the, uh, for number three. Number two for me, Andy mentioned them. I thought I, I might be able to sneak in and be the only one that, that gave them a shout. But it's Strong Hearts. Um, they're just such a refreshing team, and they can go, and they're great, but they're also like fun to watch, and Linda is hilarious. And yeah, Strong Hearts, and also if you include the Damn Hearts, the trio of Lindemann, T-Hawk, and Tetsuya Endo, uh, that even adds to their case. Uh, and then number one for me, I thought maybe this could be a unique pick, but it seems to be kind of a consensus number one or number two. It's Nautilus of Naomi Yoshimura and Yuki Ueno. Um, a great great match against Strong Hearts, a great match at the beginning of the year against Daisuke Sasaki and Soma Takao. Some great trios matches as they held the trios titles earlier this year with, I believe, Hiroshima. Um, and yeah, DDT has been killing it uh, in terms of the tag division and the trios division this year. Um, I think Eruption would probably be a top five uh, group for me as well. Um, that's the, the group of Saki Akai, Kazusada Higuchi, and Yukio Sakaguchi. Um, so yeah, DDT dominating tag team of the year, but also Asami Kodaka and X. All right. Tyler, give me your picks here for tag team of the year. Tyler? All right. Uh, my number three tag team of the year is... Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number three tag team of the year is Undisputed Era's Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Even with WWE and especially NXT really uh, being a, a big pile of shit, uh, O'Reilly and Fish are still a great tag team, and they've had some really good matches, including uh, one against uh, the Broserweights from NXT uh, TakeOver in Portland. Uh, and especially in a weak tag team year, you're going to you're gonna see a, a team like this who's just consistently good uh, be able to rise up a little higher. Uh, number two, um, 2AW's Kaiji, Tomato, and Chango. Uh, I never thought I would uh, be here watching 2AW matches, but they had a couple really good ones uh, for those tag team titles uh, during the uh, the real heavy portion of the shutdown. And then number one, um, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh, their dynamic as a team is very weird. Uh, they're eventually going to uh, break up, especially with Hangman not considering himself part of the elite. Uh, and then we're going to get a Hangman Page and Kenny Omega feud, which will be um, really, really good. Uh, and then the matches have just been fantastic, especially the one we talked about a couple times already, uh, them against the Young Bucks, which, as John mentioned, that they uh, just talked about on a, a five-match episode with Nate from Everything Elite. Uh, that was a five-star match for me, and it was very well built, uh, great pacing, um, and it was it was a moves match, which also told the story, which uh, for me will always hit. Told a stupid story. Anyway. Sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Uh, I totally forgot the takeover in my hometown. Uh, I have not seen that, nor did I go to it. So only main event to happen here, and I uh, totally forgot. So I'll have to check that out. All right. So my picks for Tag Team of the Year. Uh, number three, I have Chango and Kaji Tomato from the they're the Empty Arena Kings from 2AW. I really enjoyed a lot of their Empty Arena stuff during their tag title reign. Uh, it's a weak year, though, so there you go. Uh, I put Rapungi 3K in second. Uh, I don't even really remember why I did that. I guess I did, because they've, <laughs> they've had some good matches. I don't know. that The junior tag title match with uh, with Rocky and uh, and Taguchi I really liked from Korokin. 
Uh, I don't know. It's a terrible year. And I put Natalia's in first. Uh, it is sad that Yuki Ueno and Naomi Ushimura are finally getting their big run into the middle of COVID. But what can you do? Uh, the really great match they have with Chihiro and Yuki Ino like, put them over the top for me again in a really weak year. So, we're at our last category here, of course, which is Wrestler of the Year, uh, also called the Flair Feds and the Observer. Uh, you're supposed to consider drawing, haha, <laughs> uh, more easier said than done in this year, uh, MVP quality and in-ring, that's pre- pretty much the criteria. Um, so, let's see, why don't we, again, we'll start with Andy, go ahead, your Wrestler of the Year picks for 2020 so far. Yeah, like I mentioned, I always have a, a issue uh, or problem kind of separating them because I don't really pay attention to drawing too often. It's, uh, I mean, I understand its validity and all that, but it, I have a hard time following things as closely as some people uh, in that regard. Uh, but I do know, again, like we talked about earlier, that uh, the second biggest show uh, of the year uh, and the biggest show in Japan was Wrestle Kingdom uh, 14, uh, day one. And that was uh, headlined by uh, Kazucho Okada and Kota Ibushi. And Okada uh, also headlined day two uh, with uh, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, and I think for that alone, and just kind of him always, you know, being uh, high up there in a, a year worth very little attendance, he's my number three. Um, my number two uh, is uh, Shitaro Ishino. Um, and this is because I think. Uh, just because of the talk, I kind of took it as in an era where we had three months really of like not really any fans present, so no drawing power. Uh, who was being talked about, and at least in my circles, uh, the most. And for someone who uh, always kind of was on the periphery because he was in Wrestle One uh, and he was awesome in Wrestle One for years, but that's kind of a, a lower promotion to a lot of people. Uh, his uh, the, the excitement about his his run in All Japan really uh, brought a lot of people together, and uh, so I gave him number number two in kind of a, a tricky way, um, and. Uh, because he was uh, my number one, just because he's been my favorite wrestler of the year. Uh, he's not necessarily a certified draw, although again, he did have a really hot angle in Wrestle One. Uh, is uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima? Uh, they shuffled him out of the main title picture scene and put him in the national title picture scene for uh, Noah. Uh, and I just think he's been kind of the glue holding uh, my favorite promotion together. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, doesn't he doesn't really have any drawing power right now? He might even have negative drawing power since uh, promotion went out of business after he won the title, basically. Uh, not not his fault, but uh, he is my, my number one overall. All right. Paul, give me your picks here for Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. Um, so with my number three, I kind of went a bit of a weird one, I suppose. Uh, I kind of mostly threw a drawing power on this one. Uh it has an overall like very good like match quality as well, but I think in this one I kind of met, went kind of with kind of an emerging star power if that makes sense. Uh, so I went with uh, uh, Show on this one, where I think this really is start like even with the break that long break that New Japan took, this appears to be kind of his breakout year, where uh, he kind of started off well, kind of winning like an, yet another. Uh, Junior heavyweight title, a tag title, uh, with uh, Yo, but really kind of since New Japan. But even then, like it seemed like he was poised for greater things this year. And now that New Japan has come back from its break, it's very apparent that they are going to push this guy to the moon. So 
that's why I went with him as my number three. My number two is uh, John Moxley, where he's clearly the ace of AEW now. And he has been drawing well early on, I suppose, in the year. Drawing is kind of hard to, like, estimate now. But uh, kind of he has been drawing well kind of on pay-per-view as well. So I think he is very clear the ace. So he's drawing. He has the star power. And his matches, from what I've seen, have been pretty good. As well as his matches in New Japan. We can't forget about those as well, where he kind of has been kind of their cornerstone kind of as he's technically still the US champion. They still haven't stripped him. So I assume they still have some hope that they will be like able to do something with him going forward. And my number one uh, was that was a very, very easy one. It's Tetsuya Naito. I mean, if we're going by drawing, he's really the only one that has a record there. Uh, it's obviously kind of debatable for night one on how much he drew that, but he was at the very least in the semi-main, so he, had, he definitely did contribute to it. Uh, then obviously night two, and then him selling out Dominion, uh, Dominion uh, selling out Osaka Joe Hall at New Beginning in Osaka uh, against Kenta. So three drawing records there, excellent matches on top of that, and then Star Power obviously is full roof. So a very easy Wrestler of the Year vote there. All right, Ricardo, what do you got here for Wrestler of the Year? Yeah, this was very very tricky. Um... I guess I'm going... I was going to go with Kenny Omega, but I'm not sure about his drawing power since he isn't a main event thing. So number three, I'm going with Naruki Doi. I think it's been a very uneven year for Dragon Gate, but he's been there. He's been consistent. The shows have, have been uh, selling well. He's been a great uh, in-ring performer and has that MVP quality. Uh, number two is Psycho Clown, the ace of AAA. He was fantastic in Lucha Fighter, and uh, all all of the first AAA shows of the year drew well, and he has always been dumb and very fun to watch. It's Psycho Clown, very consistent, and, um, you know, a good guy to draw people to your shows. And number one, again, very easy decision, Tetsuya Naito. He main evented with the biggest show of the year, had one of the best matches of all time, in my opinion. And, well, he, he also drew well in the New Beginning shows, uh, which he headlined with Kenta. So, yeah, Naito, easy, easy wrestler of the year for me. All right. Uh, Taylor, I guess you're going to also break that Naito streak. I think I already know who your wrestler of the year pick is, uh, honestly, based on what you said earlier. Well, I uh, guess I'll lead off by saying one of my favorite po- Well... One of my favorite things about the uh, COVID period has been not talking about drawing. Uh, it's one of the most boring things to me um, in my life, but I did play along for the most part. Um, so number three, I had Masato Tanaka uh, was the champion of DDT, had some good matches. DDT had some um, fairly good crowds. It's a top company. Uh, so I think he did fairly well. So he was my number three pick. Uh, my number two pick from stardom is Mayu Iwatani. I think she had a really great year. Probably if I was ranking 10, uh, the top 10 wrestlers, she would probably make it in probably, you know, in the eight to 10 range, but stardom had a great beginning of the year in terms of, you know, you could probably give some of the credit to Bushi road, but Mayu to me is the ace of stardom and stardom had a really strong year, um, in terms of buzz and attendance. 
you know, not their fault that we went into this strange lockdown period. Um, so Mayu Iwatani would be my number two. And number one, I didn't care drawing. Who cares? Uh, I went again with Yuna Mizumori, someone who I just think deserves being rewarded as someone who started uh, sort of pre-COVID, pre-empty arena as uh, just sort of a, at least to me personally, you know, just another wrestler in Gato Move. Very good. I did like her, but sort of, I would guess, consider her a mid-carder as much as you can consider someone in a tiny company like that a mid-carder. But someone who has taken this period and, to me, really made themselves into a star in the span of about four months. Um, and really, at least in the circles that I travel in, has created a lot of buzz about herself. So she would be my number one pick. All right. Thomas? Give me your rest of the year picks. All right. Uh, yeah, this is obviously a tough one just because we don't have a lot of drawing data to go on. Um, number three for me is Yuji Okabayashi. I think it's clear that he's probably the biggest draw on the Japanese independence. Um, Zero One brought him in for a title challenge on their biggest show of the year. Uh, obviously a big spot to give to an outsider. Um, 2AW gave, gave him their title for a few months. Um which is obvious. And then obviously Big Japan, he's a big player there. Um, so when three different promotions value you as a top, top guy, um, I think that can say that you're probably a, a pretty certified draw. And also he's been a, just a tremendous wrestler. I think a top three guy uh, in the world in terms of just purely in ring. Uh, number two for me, wrestler of the year, Masato Tanaka um, from DDT and Zero One, um, which Taylor mentioned earlier. He came in. Uh, was DDT's champion uh, through pretty much the entire first half of the year, built a long storyline culminating at Peter Pan, which I praised earlier. Uh, and DDT's uh, universe subscriptions went up during COVID, um, which obviously didn't necessarily have to be the case. I think a lot of people might might have been you know, cracking down on what they're spending money on, and instead their subscriptions went up. And I think you have to give some of the credit to the champion who was having, he was having a title match probably every other week on a TV show. Um, so you have to give him a, a lot of that credit. And the number one... Excuse me, give the credit to Ironhead Fujita for, right. for the DDT subscription. <laughs> Noah got added, right? So it was all... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, it couldn't have been anyone else. Had to have been the, the hand sanitizer man. Um, number one, it's it's got to be uh, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, just kidding. It's Tetsuya Naito. Um, and... Uh, people can say that Okada drew uh, the 70,000 over two days. I mean, it was Naito. And it, I mean, you could see it from the reactions. You could see it from the T-shirts people were wearing. I mean, it was clear that Tetsuya Naito was the draw. Tetsuya Naito's big challenge uh, was the thing that got people to buy tickets. Uh, and he's just had a tremendous year. I loved the uh, the Kenta match and the Kenta angle. And, I mean, I'm sure Dominion will, will do very well. I, I mean, I would be willing to bet it's probably already sold out, but... Uh, without even a challenger, it, it is sold out. Yeah, without even a challenger announcement. Yeah. So, um, I don't. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think the New Japan Cup final is sold out yet. So it's not yeah. just that they're auto selling out with the small. Okada's on top of that. Yeah. Didn't sell out. on top of Dominion, which did sell out. Yeah. So I think that's my my case for Naito over Okada as wrestler of the year. Uh, Tyler, what do you got here for wrestler of the year picks? All right, I I actually changed mine up a little bit just by uh, listening uh, to some of you guys talk earlier. I changed my number three from Kenny Omega to John Moxley, and his run with the title and the build up to his match at Revolution and uh, the supposedly uh, really good pay per view buy uh, with uh, 
him in the co-main event on top of Double or Nothing, and then his feud with Suzuki, and then the his two U.S. title matches at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, really really put him in the spot for me. Uh, number two um, is Kenta. I have absolutely loved Kenta's year. Uh, his match with Goto was really good. The angle and just the massive heat that he drew with Naito, and then selling out Osaka Joe Hall for that title match, which was also really good, as was mentioned earlier. And then number one is Tetsuya Naito. Everybody packed the dome because they wanted to see Naito win the two belts, have his moment, and finally culminate that seven-year story arc that has been playing out in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, as I mentioned with Kenta, he was the main reason why the uh, Osaka Joe Hall sold out. Um, Kenta obviously played a good role in it, but people love Naito. And at not only that, his drawing ability, but uh, he's he's been New Japan's MVP. His matches have been great. He's He's just been everything that they need right now. And he's my number one. Uh, so my number three is also John Moxley, which might surprise some people. Uh, it just seems to me like fans are really into his run. Uh, as you, Tyler just mentioned, both the AW pay-per-views that he either headlined or co-headlined seem to have done very good buy rates. Uh, I was especially surprised that Double or Nothing held up so well in the COVID. And, you know, he was not not in the main event, I don't believe, but there was still like the co-main event. So, you know, good buy. And that was with a pretty weak challenger, I think most people would agree. Uh, so good job from Moxley, and I actually like his New Japan stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, I love that. Ma- I love the match with Suzuki. Uh, I thought his match with uh, Lance Archer was really good too. But this is definitely more for the fact that he seems to be, you know, drawing on top as well as you can uh, as AEW champion. Uh, number two, I went with Go Shiozaki. Um, I thought selling out the Korokin opposite Wrestle Kingdom was. Really impressive, honestly, especially Russell Kingdom that did like 40,000 people. So, uh, you know, and he just seems, again, like he's at the absolute top of his game. You know, I mentioned all this stuff during Most Outstanding. Um, you know, it's definitely a guy that I think has that MVP quality for his promotion. And number one, I, of course, went with Tetsuya Naito. Um, I think, like I said, I think if, if anything, I might be a little underrated. Although I, I, I honestly didn't expect so many of you to have Naito number one, so I guess it's not that underrated. But uh, selling out Osaka Joe Hall, a building they used to not sell out for, you know, uh, Dominion at one point for a new beginning show, a split tour ender, is such a big deal. Uh, you know, Dominion uh, in this COVID era without even having an opponent is already sold out, which, as I mentioned, uh, as of a few days ago at least, the New Japan Cup final the night before is not sold out, and I don't I don't know if uh, that's a um, you know I don't know if that's changed since then. It could have. I, I don't think it was that far, but yeah, I mean like the fans are still coming out to see him even during COVID, and you know it's just he's just the the top champion. This is his run, and it's definitely been a weird run given uh, everything happening. But I still think you know this. It's I would give it to him for this half year. And we'll see how the second half of the year goes. All right, folks. So we can finally wrap it up here. Uh, let's go do all go down the line and do some quick plugs. So, Andy, what do you got to plug? Uh, I don't really have anything to plug. I'm not doing much. So thanks for having me on. Uh, I think as far as uh, 
uh, non-wrestling related things to plug. Uh, we are living in trying times uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with COVID, with everything else. Wear a mask, wash your hands, stay inside, uh, donate money where you can, or at least educate yourself and be smart and vote for politicians uh, that will help uh, lead this country or your own local jurisdiction in ways that uh, you see fit. I want to say, because I, I, I know what you meant because I know you, but uh, you've been trying times. It's black. You're supportive of Black Lives Matter. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> the way you yes, the way very, you said that, I, don't strong wa- support. I didn't want anyone to take it uh, otherwise. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, uh, Paul, what do you what are your uh, got a plug here? Anything? Yeah. Uh, so actually, I think coming up this week, uh, there's going to be like a metric ton of stuff I'm going to be writing for the site going to try to make up for not writing anything during the uh, empty arena stuff because i just it's really hard to write about empty arena wrestling oh yeah uh so hard to podcast about it too (laughs) yeah yeah so i'm going to be writing a lot of previews and reviews for the new japan shows coming up this weekend and then i'm also going to cover the first all japan show with fans back so really looking forward to that and otherwise, yesterday I recorded an episode of the five-star match game, uh, Joe Ganey's five-star match game uh, with Andrew Rich and Sean as the other contestants on it, uh, where we covered uh, WWE in the 2010s. And uh, <laughs> I cannot wait to listen. All I'm to that. going, all, all, all I'm going to say on that is tater tots. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to that. Uh, that's to be coming out on Wednesday, I think. I saw that Joe Gagney said that, so probably a day after this comes out on Tuesday. Ricardo, uh, give me your plugs. First of all, thank you for inviting me, John. Oh, you had a great and- time, buddy. I had a great time having you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And you can find some of my work at the Voices of Wrestling. If somehow we convince you to watch the Aereo versus Viano match, I have a big big piece about it uh, that will complement experience and voices of wrestling again and you can find me at twitter at wally rgr w-a-l-l-y-r-g-r and you can also if you somehow um know spanish you listen to spanish you can find my wrestling podcast at lucha jobbers and if you like film uh, i have a little site uh, with lots of film critics called La Estatuilla. I'm a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, so you can find some of my stuff there. And just um, be good, wear a mask, recycle, and as a... All right. Okay. And he said, educate yourself. All Thank right. you, John. Thank you. I think, I'm sorry, I think you cut out there for me for a second, but I got it. Uh, Taylor, give me your plugs. I, we have a podcast to plug, first of all. Yes, as John mentioned at the beginning of the show, I do a podcast on this very Voices of Wrestling network, uh, Jumping Bomb Audio. It's a podcast all about Joshi Wrestling. I do with Aaron Bentley, uh, where we cover the entire world of Joshi Wrestling um, in the COVID period with less shows. We've been actually going back and starting from the beginning, back in 2011, covering show-by-show stardom. So if you've been looking to dig into the history of that promotion, we have a number of episodes about that. Uh, But as we come back, we're starting to cover shows. We talk about news. We do reviews of pretty much any show that makes tape anywhere. Uh, We preview what's coming up so that you know what to watch. And we recommend matches for you to watch 
that have happened. Uh, the next episode will be out next week. It's a bi-monthly podcast, so check that out. And, John, thank you, as always, for having me. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thomas, well, give me your plugs. Thanks for having me on, John. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug uh, other than Jake Lee is good. Okay. <laughs> That's all of them. Okay. Tyler, what are your plugs? John, thank you for having me on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Forno. I do some uh, work at, for Voices of Wrestling with uh, previews, reviews, and the occasional article. I also write about uh, the National Football League, the NFL Draft, and college football for um, blue chip scouting and climbing the pocket. So if you're a fan of uh, the NFL Draft or the Minnesota Vikings, uh, go check those out. I have an article uh, coming out tomorrow morning, uh, Tuesday, about why the NFL draft should uh, uh, modify it itself to be more like the Major League Baseball draft. So if you're a draft nerd like myself, it, it will be a fun read and you'll enjoy it. All right. And I, I have to say, Thomas saying uh, Jake Lee is good as his entire plug and then immediately disconnecting because he, he had to run for something, I guess, is one of the funnier exits in the history of this podcast. So uh, shout out to Thomas. All right, folks. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, next week, we'll be back with uh, myself and Sean, Mr. Sean Seedor from this very website. Uh, we'll be covering the two New Japan shows from this weekend, uh, the New Japan Cup Final and Dominion. Uh, it'll be interesting seeing New Japan with fans again for the first time since uh, the early March, I believe. So that'll be our topic next week. Uh, in the meantime, as always, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestlingomikase. Uh, that is the place to go for the next parts of the Okada Tanahashi series. Uh, should be more coming out this week as we look to wrap that up. Plus anime omikase, plus five matches, etc., etc. So definitely check those out over the next, uh, you know, check that out for $5 a month. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at wrestleomikase. Wrestling, of course, would not fit. And folks, we will see you next time. Thank you, as always, for listening. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. Save big money on-